0: This is the Witcher podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about the first part of Witcher season two, episodes one to four. I look at that difference since you saw me last, but I could say the same of you. Put away your knife and come in out of the cold, Witcher. I'll tell you everything. Welcome back, fellow Witchers. We're talking about The Witcher Season 2 on TV Podcast Industries. Talking about the first four episodes of the second season of the show, and I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Witchers.
1: I'm one of your hosts, John.
2: And rounding out this trio of... I I, I, want to say we're the lower tier Witchers. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're we're, we're not Henry Cavill stacked, but I definitely could be Varon. Like, I'm, I'm up there, I'd say. I hope so.
0: Yeah, I think we might be witches in training. We're we're uh, we're waiting for a would be f- witches in the future, maybe.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I
1: think I would be the witcher that is just about a bit about to be injected yep. with the serum and probably doesn't survive it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
0: Just a lonely orphan boy uh, stuck who in. dies <laughs> by being injected like with
1: a serum. From a crazy old man. (laughs)
0: But welcome back, fellow Witchers. I I love this. We started the the, the coverage of Witcher Season 1 a couple of months after we did... Watchmen, where we had our fellow Watchers, that's why we obviously have our fellow Witchers it all makes sense at the time, so we weren't saying that everybody's a Witcher listening, or on the podcast, but it's great to be back talking about Witcher Season 2 we are still in a bit of catch-up mode um, given our little isolation that we had at the beginning of the year, this is usually the podcast that we do in between Christmas and New Year's, when we have nothing else going on and we want to chat to each other about something nerdy uh, it's usually the Witcher that that takes the place But so we're yeah. a little bit late, this show came out um the 23rd I think of of December came out just 17th of December just just that week before Christmas so we're a little bit late but we are here and we do want to talk about the second season of Witcher
2: because it is spoiler alert good
1: yeah absolutely
2: I was wondering if it was lightning in a bottle Mm. that we we last year it was as you say this is usually in our down period the beginning of Christmas end of that period kind of like over the new years Mm -hmm. and usually there's a void and I was like Well, maybe it's lightning in the bottle, maybe it's just this once-off, because we've also been spoiled with The Wheel of Time Mm -hmm. and a number of other high-fantasy kind of shadow and bone. And there's been a number of other quality high-fantasy kind of shows in the last 12 months. In my opinion, it's not. They kind of, I believe, really... Stepped up to the plate, yeah, and they know what they are in this beginning season or this or the first half.
0: Absolutely, and I'll absolutely say this is way better than the first half of season one as well. I know I, when we did our first podcast about the Witcher, those four episodes, I was kind of going, "Well, if I wasn't committed to doing the podcast, I don't know whether they'd be on board for those other four episodes." I think they've stepped up, opened up the world uh for the second season. It's been uh, been yes, really fun watching. I remember
1: it. that doubting Derek That's indeed. Me. But I mean <laughs> as well. It it's there's certainly less um Geralt uh bath action this time. Nice. But I, I'm absolutely loving the many sighs of Geralt uh in this one. He <laughs> The is, deadpan looks he he is humming, he is sighing, he is he seems very Jay's sort of slightly knackered actually. Um so I, I'm really enjoying it and I, I agree definitely um this is this has been really good so far this first half. And and dare I say, it, they're even referencing um, themselves from the previous season absolutely. as well. We in, will talk yeah. about it. We will yeah.
0: talk about it. Absolutely. Uh, as I said, we are going to talk about the first four episodes of season two of The Witcher. If you want to share any thoughts that you have on the show, we'd love to hear your feedback. Just email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or you can pop over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. There is a spoiler post for the first half of the season. Another one will go up after we release this episode so you can share your thoughts on the second half of the season because we'd love to hear you following on and let us know what you think of the show. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can subscribe to it over on tvpodcastindustries.com. We do have a, uh, two episodes covering the first season of the Witcher over there on the website as well. A little more difficult to find, uh, because it's quite a long time ago that we did the first season. It's about, uh, 140 episodes ago, I think. Uh, about roughly. about
2: that. Like that. Yeah, you know, n- not, not a small amount.
0: What's that, about three weeks worth of uh, of our content? Stuff? <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you enjoy what you hear, why not also head on over to patreon.com slash TV podcast where you can help us keep the lights on, the hamsters running. And, dare I say it, the mutagens in The Witcher's going. So we may like continue to fight this evil. Yeah. Or, if you just want to do a one-off donation, why not buy us a coffee at com slash tvpi. Every bit of support is always appreciated.
0: Absolutely. Hopefully it means we can create new editors in the future. Uh, yes. That, <laughs> that we can
2: bo- we can create them from orphan boys.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there must be a program out there somewhere that will edit. I, I, we need AI. We need AI editing technology. Do you
0: know this is boring for anybody who's not a podcaster? That there is, is actually true. a tool to do yeah. it. You can it, there's, it basically it gives you a, a a transcript of our entire conversation, and you can select the things to edit out in the transcript and the document, effectively. And then it goes in <laughs> and edits out. But apparently, it's really choppy and sounds much worse than our conversations and the tremendous amount of editing
1: that I do without AI, John. Well, that no, you are AI. <laughs> Something, like maybe, maybe. Sorry, not. You're you're just I. Your intelligence. I am I. Exactly. exactly.
2: <laughs> There's well, nothing artificial. No, about there, him. Isn't. there isn't. <laughs> nope,
3: not there at really, all. There really,
1: really isn't.
0: But let's get on to our discussion about episode one of The Witcher season two. We're going to start start here. We're trying not to spoil the future episodes as we talk about them. We'll talk about uh, each episode separately. And our main point that we like about each episode. First episode of this season was called A Grain of Truth, uh, based on the book series by. Andres Sapkowski and the game series by CG Project Red. I can say that definitively now because while I was in my dead time where I couldn't uh, access the internet um, I found a thing called a book. Uh, (laughs) uh, I've read books before but uh, I read through the entirety of the first book of The Witcher um, to get some kind of perspective on on, uh, what was different from the show to, uh, to, uh, the game, which is all I'd had before was just watching the show and playing the game. What's really interesting about it is I think they've equally taken inspiration from both. I know they may say they're based on the books and they are and all the characters are from there, but certainly this idea of having a end of level boss in each episode <laughs> <is> coming, <laughs> comes from the game, not the book. The book has a lot less of that, but, uh, but really interesting to, to have a view of that. One thing for anybody who, who is going out to look for the books, um, the first book is not the start of the story. Um, book one is actually season two of the TV show. There's a collection of short stories which was put together, which was the basis for season one. So what I found really interesting when I opened page one of the book was it took place directly after the battle that we saw at the end of season one. So as <laughs> so I was going, yes. wow, I've got the continuation of all these characters before I watched season two of the show. The Battle of Sodden at the hill exactly exactly um the showrunner for this show once again like season one is lauren Schmidt hisrich we did mention her many times before because we've covered her work on daredevil the defenders umbrella academy and of course the witcher season one so uh really great to have her back here for season two of the show
1: yeah definitely there is a lot of old uh defenders uh alumni mm. going on here Uh, For sure. Uh, Lauren Schmidt-Hischrich, but also the director for this episode.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Stephen Surgick, again, talked about him many, many times in our show. He was one of the only directors to do every single Marvel Netflix show, the Marvel Defenders show every uh, he did one episode for each of those series sorry that's a better way to explain it so uh so he's covered he was he was involved in pretty much all the podcasts that we did to begin with uh, yeah. which is quite cool and he also directed episodes of season one and season two of umbrella academy which we cover here in our podcast the episode itself, uh, while Lauren Smith Hedrich is the showrunner and uh, and writer obviously to for, for the entire series, uh this episode is credited to Declan Debarra, an Irish musician and writer. He wrote Iron Fist season two, episode five, and will be the showrunner of the upcoming Witcher Blood Origins, the prequel series to The Witcher. So uh lots of confidence in Declan Debarra to to yeah. give him the showrunner role for an upcoming show and to give him the opening show for the second season. Definitely.
2: And that prequel is going to be a really interesting show if um, any of the, the, the first four episodes of this um, this season is to be believed. And yeah. the people we meet.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Jana, do you want to give us the synopsis for episode one
1: of The Witcher season two? Sure. Following the Battle of Sodden Hill, Geralt and Siri are unable to find Jennifer. When her former mentor, Tissia, informs them she believes the powerful mage died when she defeated the attacking Nilfgaardians, they travel across the continent to find a safe place for Ciri. On the path, they take refuge with an old friend of Geralt, the aristocratic Nivellen. Since the last time they met, Nivellen has been punished by a mage and transformed into a dangerous beast. He is a welcoming presence, but Geralt can't help but think he's hiding something. When Ciri discovers a vampire like creature called a Bruxa, Nivellin tries to stop the Witcher from killing her. But Geralt discovers that Nivellin has been feeding the Bruxa, as she is the only one who has kept him company since his transformation. Furthermore, Nivellin's punishment was dealt out because he raped the leader of the Spider Temple. Geralt and Ciri dispatch the demonic Bruxa with his love dead. N'Villain returns to his human form as Geralt and Ciri leave him to wallow in his grief and solitude.
0: Excellent. That's a big opening episode. Um, But but it feels like it's it's the kind of showdown with the monster is the central story that's here. The last season ended with the meeting of... Geralt the Witcher and Siri, who'd not not met throughout the entire season, and now we get a little adventure with the two of them. This this opener,
1: yeah, definitely. I, I think like this is almost just this. This is just re sort of getting to know the characters again, mm-hmm. uh, understanding this world and the dangers within it. Um, and so th- I I thought this was a really good uh, sort of opening, really, just to ease you back, get you familiar again with the Witcher. And and this world, so um yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting.
2: Yeah. yeah, and even even if you did binge season one and came straight into season two, it's not that somewhat typical that we did have in more terrestrial TV and more kind of cable based TV shows where it's like here's a r- reminder, this is what this person is and who they are, and here yeah. like the over the top yeah. kind of almost kind of reintroduction. It was just a nice. You could almost bookend this if it wasn't for Siri being with Geralt. You could bookend this um this episode anywhere in kind of the, the show because it's a it's a standalone story to a degree, aside yeah. from let the they say the Sodden Hill death part, yeah. the the actual witcher part, the the battle and who he's fighting and thing. It's interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Will we kick off with our big moments for the episode? I think, John, I think you're going to kick us off with your first one. What's, what's the big moment that stood out to you from episode one, John?
1: It, it, it's the demon, the, the brooks and Geralt's uh, friend, Navillion. Mm. Uh, we, we say a monster. He, he looked like a big, uh, boar. Uh, I definitely, um, kept tasting sort of smoked, uh, <laughs> smoked bacon. Um, I was kind of thinking of sort of big pots of, of kind of stew with big lumps of boar and pork in it so mm. it, it was kind of fairly tasty but um <laughs> i i kind of really liked uh this and interestingly the 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 actor playing navillion is yeah. from game of thrones it was Tormund giant Bane and um, who had a crush on brienne of tarth and yes, um, so very familiar uh actor there but hidden by the, uh, the great makeup. I mean, I was kind of fascinated by the face because with the tusks and everything, mm-hmm. just really, really well done. The makeup and any CGI that was uh being used around it
0: yeah there's a really good video from uh from christopher highju who plays who plays this character and played torment uh giant spain uh, a really good video of him getting in the chair sitting there getting the makeup on and how they how they created the makeup for him it's fantastic it is three or four hours in the chair trying to get this uh, this boar head on i was really p- pleased with myself when i was trying to get down going oh they're having this conversation and I, I wrote down going, uh, "Oh, and Geralt's being a bit of a bore, ha ha ha." And then they made the joke <laughs> on the screen. I was like, okay, I guess, I guess it's my my style of humor uh, in this episode as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was really good. But here, um, you know, he's he's an old friend transformed, mm. uh, and also so there's that mystery here for Geralt, um, and also that you know there's a bit of betting about uh with with daggers. It's effectively he's using his father's portrait as a dartboard and having a betting game to see, you know, if you miss, then you, you need to say some uh say something truthful mm-hmm. uh since we you know we last met. And so he he uses weighted daggers. I, I do like the moment where Geralt has, you know, figured this out quite early on and he just takes one of his own daggers and it runs straight uh into the forehead yeah. of his father's portrait well after the entirety of season 1 you got to have known there was something wrong instantly
0: when geralt misses such yeah. a simple <laughs> Well dark exactly shot exactly God, but hang on a second has he got geralt really drunk or something
1: No yeah, exactly yeah. but i mean all of this sort of lends a mystery and an intrigue for geralt and of course what we it's all linked to the brooks a, a demon and mm-hmm. the opening of this episode where the the travelers come into the deserted village and are ripped to shreds and 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 taken off by a, a winged creature and it links to then this um this woman that we see with siri being really intrigued by siri as she's resting as she's bathing but i as well to the brooks a demon Um, mm. i love the eyes i loved the movement mm. i love the throw of the yeah. voice it was just done so well that kind of jarring movement and equally that was portrayed within the voice so it, it was all really really good how th- these two things how they effectively the the navillion and then this brooks uh, effectively come to coexist because they um you know had no one else and okay. navillion would offer himself up so that she could uh, feed on his blood in the hope, I guess, that she wouldn't go and ransack the village. Alas, yeah. she did. But I think it feels like he's turning a blind eye to the fact that she did ransack the village. Probably.
0: at that stage, there's nobody left. And yeah. <laughs> we see from the opening scene, we see the travelers coming to the coming to the village and them all getting destroyed. I presume that's by the Bruxa. Yes. Um, coming down and killing them. So... It's not like this is, it has stopped the attacks of the village. It's like, well, if there's no other food source, I guess, um, I'll just eat Navillion or I'll just, uh, take the blood from villian. I guess
1: is, yeah. is, is her feeling. So it was just a really good horror type it was, yeah. um, episode really, because I, I with the Bruxia s- spying on Siri as she was bathing, she, she leaves the, she leaves the, the white gown and dress. Uh, for her, mm-hmm. when she's asleep as well, coming uh, to the side of the bed—it's it, all what is going to happen here. So there's a real nice horror and suspenseful feel to this, given yeah. you know both Geralt and Ciri are so important, and you're just wondering what's going to happen here. Um, and it all transpires—you know, she, the Brokser, is keeping Navillian company because of how he looks. He's lost all his staff from. Uh, his house the i guess the villagers would have been repelled by his look but ultimately because of why the curse was placed upon him Mm. which was uh, because he he raped someone and that's where the curse comes from so he ends up being a very tragic figure which you really get the sense of i mean Again, it's it, that acting underneath all that prosthetic and makeup mm-hmm. is really difficult. But you really got that sense from Navillian the the tragedy, personally that he, that has befallen him, but also just simply the the horrendous nature of him to do what he did. Exactly. And this yeah. ultimately was his punishment yep. by the, the, the spider temple. And it is ultimately a demon that will keep him company that doesn't mind or, or, or has no issue with um, Nevilian. And so there's the great final battle. Once Geralt figures out what uh, this, this woman is, And uh, really, again, just really good effects here, Um, going from this really pretty, although creepy uh, lady that can crawl like a spider around the, the rooms to, you know, a fairly grotesque, spindly... A vampire-like creature yeah. that oh, yeah. flies around, uh, but those ultimately,
0: teeth when she's when she's yeah. screaming, is is just really, oh, yeah. really 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 cool. But
1: ultimately, is dispatched by um, Geralt's sword uh, quite nicely Absolutely. as well. Absolutely, like one of the really interesting things. I love how how. Um,
0: Christopher is playing this that plays this role of the villain. I think he was supposed to actually get a bigger role in the in the show originally and then there was some issue with uh, issue with covid so he came back to do this bit part rather than being able to uh, have a bigger role in the show. Um, so
2: when they were filming this episode is when covid hit. Uh so March 2020 when they were filming this episode in particular production shut so that was like I think they either had to refilm from the beginning mm. the scenes or but yeah, essentially, this would this was. Maybe I don't know when they filmed. Maybe they filmed other parts of it. But essentially, as they were filming this episode, mm. parts of this episode is when COVID hit. So that was the the interesting part
0: yeah exactly, but I think he was supposed to have a bigger role in the overall series, not this role. I think he got this role as kind of consolation because he couldn't be involved in the full season in the original oh, role that he had interesting. as far as I remember, I remember an apology on on Twitter from him saying he couldn't unfortunately uh, fulfill the commitment of doing the full season, so uh, I'll have to check that I should confirm it for next time.
2: I remember that I think it was to do with the character Navilion was supposed to play a larger role, maybe. Maybe. Could be that as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I love how he plays this because he's playing it so shadily. As, as you say, yeah. as you say, John, he's playing it like this tragedy, um, throughout. He's saying, Oh, you know me, Geralt. I got drunk and then did something really stupid. I went in and, and wrecked this, the, the spider, uh, spider temple and they punished me for it. That's why I'm this way. And, and then Geralt's kind of questioning him instantly, kind of going, this seems like a big punishment for what you've done. Um yeah. what's the what's the key to this? Give me a, the couple of words that you may have heard because he wants to unlock what it is that will break the curse from him. So the minute he says um the minute he says you have to kill the love or something like that, you can see Geralt putting the pieces together and going, Oh no, that's definitely not what this guy did. Yeah. Um, which I really like and that's that comes comes out really well from the character. It's a tragedy up until he tells you what he actually did. Yeah, and then exactly. you realise how abhorrent he is as a person and that's exactly how he's treated by Geralt this is a really old friend of his you see the conversations between them you know they know each other really really well and Geralt cuts him off and goes that's it you can deal with your solitude
1: well, well actually... that's it but it's also that with the death of Bruxa then the curse is lifted be, uh, over Navillian. And he is left effectively. I, I love how all the lights go out in the mm-hmm. house. And as you say, Geralt effectively turns his back on, leaves his company and his house with Ciri, yeah. heads back on the road and just leaves him there. And he's just stood there as a forlorn sort of tragic figure for exactly. what he's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now his loneliness isn't because of this curse and this monster like appearance. His loneliness is because you know, that's the human who did the unspeakable exactly. things at yeah. the Spider Temple. So it was just really, really good. And, you know, you were saying Geralt was really witty through this with him. and I like that. You really got that sense of their friendship. Yeah. But there was one line which I really enjoyed, which kind of gave the the feeling that Geralt is very, very jaded. Um, he knows way too much about the evils of the world and how the politics in the world operates, whereas it just says, "I've lived through three dark ages and an end of days." Um, <laughs> exactly. So he's like, "I've seen it all before. Yep. This is nothing." He's just kind of, you know, and a sigh, I guess. Exactly, of course, a little hum
0: from uh, from Geralt. Um, Chris, will we go on to your big moment from the episode? Is it connected to this, or is there other stuff to bring in?
2: Yeah, it, it's very much the the Beauty and Beast overtones of the story um because it really goes beyond it is it's that dark and a lot of witcher is this the, the even the books it's the stories that you know the the fairy tales you know but with a a lot of a darker overtone yeah um so we talked about nevillian and his quotes right so what i love is this one and i wrote i don't usually quote you guys know this. Uh, but it was monsters are more than just hard looks and claws and teeth. Monsters are born of deeds done, unforgivable ones. Mm-hmm. As soon as Navillian says that to Siri, I was like Oh yeah. Okay, this is now not the the light hearted beauty and the beast somewhat interesting thing. This yeah. is where they're going to take this darker and darker and darker. And you do find out he like All of his servants, the brooks had killed. And then she moved from the house and the estate into the village. And he kept turning his eyes. He said, I just didn't believe it. I cast my eyes away. He turned away. Just, he just didn't care. And the whole thing, he was trying to, he would let her kill him every night to satiate her appetite. Mm -hmm. And then she, he just turned, because of love, he turned his eyes when she started wanting more and all that so I loved that I thought it was just this very basic Beauty in the Beast I thought it was yeah. that's what it was going to be and I thought <laughs> based on some of the jokes like when he turns around to Geralt and was like what happened to you uh, I think Geralt says what happened to you and he goes oh that's a tale for uh, to be told over wine and he goes what about you and he goes that's a tale for a wine cellar yes <laughs> yeah, like, really okay we're gonna get a bit of banter Yeah. And then it just kept getting dark. And then, as you said, that ending from Geralt, which is you killed yourself a hundred times. You said this. Mm -hmm. You know how to do it then. Exactly. And just walks. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. This is not. This is not going to be a happy-go-lucky. Like things are not going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. And we get one other grain of, kind of, from this, which is. The world is changing, and we start to get more and more information about the how looming evil approaches. Yes, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, this is what they're setting up. So he basically they say a very key thing, and anyone who played the game, especially the third one, will know the term. It's called the Wild Hunt. Mm-hmm. They say the Wild Hunt is riding. We've seen them in the sky, etc. Yeah, and that's interesting. Be, uh for non-book readers and things like that. Basically, you'll, you've will you kind of got an understanding as these first four episodes kind of go on. But before that, the Wild Hunt is basically Ragnarok. Mm. Like, it's the end of days. They call it the Wild Hunt, the end of days. They start to allude to all these things. And especially in this episode, yeah. something big and bad is coming. Siri says it in her in the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Yes, An yes. evil is looming behind me. A shadow is following me.
1: Absolutely. Well, there's the talk of the wraiths of Mohawk as portents yes. of doom, isn't there? Yeah.
2: In this, yeah.
1: And and that Siri can see the future. I. Yep. What what will be this portent of doom that's coming, but it's how she's connected to it as well. That's really kind of mysterious and intriguing. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And also the suggestion that that massive battle that we saw in Sodden Hill last episode is only a minor skirmish um, in, in the minds of, of the uh, Nilfgaardians. Um, That, that was something simply we were throwing stuff at you to try and take the hill, but that's nothing compared to what's actually coming down the path. Uh, Really interesting. Yeah. Really good stuff. Good, uh, good catch on that one, Chris. What about yourself, Dirk? From my point, I want to just talk about the only other character that's majorly featured in the episode, which is, <laughs> which is Tosaya. Um, I love the opening sequence with her where she's trying to find some kind of, um, mm. remnants of Yennefer. So she's going to the dying soldiers and replaying the last few moments of their lives in first-person flashback it's so interesting seeing those dying moments as she's trying to pick out if any of them saw Yennefer after the last time she did um I think it's 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 almost makes it even more brutal because you're seeing them all dying in camera um
1: you've got an axe to the head and horse hooves to the face I love that I I love this this whole scene with uh, Tissaia um, doing that, uh, trying to find out the information. Yeah. And interestingly, I, I was thinking that it's a good job she didn't find the mage who um, Vildefort had killed in the previous one with the big mace, <laughs> because, you know... That would have it, ruined his entire plan, wouldn't it? That exactly, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it, it's Vildefort There yeah. is suddenly... Well, is he aligned with Nilfgaard and all yeah. that? What's his intentions? Did he just put the mage out of his misery, or is this just to... You know, cover things up, so yeah. um kind of interesting uh I thought actually,
0: now that you say that, is it village Force that tells her to stop um that she won't find any more information because that could be the reason he could be trying to avoid her from finding out that information i didn't uh, I didn't think about that at the time, but uh but i I know another one of the generals in the army uh, as they're walking away is telling her, no, so damn it, I should have checked that <laughs> <laughs> uh but also again this is this is something that is really important to Tessa given, given what happened with Yennefer, given that she's effectively the hero of Sodden Hill without her, they couldn't have won this massive battle. She is the one that um forcefully took out the army effect. Yeah. So it has now bled into Tosia's personality. She's now taking a uh, captive of, of Cahir, the, um the Nilf- Nilfgaardian who was after Siri last season Um. She's captured him, brought him to her homeland, and is willing to torture him until to get information out of him for uh, to find the whereabouts of Yennefer. So that's quite significant for her. I, I feel um, she's she was a leader in in the army, and in, and in the battle, it felt like that whole army were playing quite defensively. They weren't on the attack, and now she's willing to torture somebody else for the information. She's willing to use her magic to. Pour inside his mind and break him if she has to, just to get this information about where Yennefer is.
1: Yeah, the the interrogation really of Cahir the the general mm. of um of the Nilfgaardians, it 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 feels really brutal, and and it also feels that it's a form of magic that they will not use lightly. Yeah. Um. So that that's always kind of a nice little struggle to see that, but of course uh Tissaia is very much um wants to find out where where Yennefer is because of yep. the nature that she used the 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 flame magic um uh, and so on uh, and what chaos. that and the chaos yeah exactly so yep. what that means uh, but also that's her uh, prodigy effectively yep. she's yeah, the exactly. person she's trained so it is keen to find out uh, more uh, information from from Cahier, so that that whole um, that scene was was really nice, and and we we also just as a reminder, it is the white flame will cleanse us all, says uh, Kahir. Um and again, it's just at least for me, you know, the white flame is quite nebulous thing at the moment. Um, you, you you know, it's it's ref, it's referred to, mm. uh, but as such, it's still a bit of an unknown quantity yep. from the series for mm-hmm. for me.
2: Yeah. I I'll just jump in. One thing I've always loved about season 1 and now so far into season 2 this within the first episode is just the the gray area that the magicians and the sorcerers kind of live in. That mm-hmm. that this kind of how they build themselves up to be these advisors and that they there's areas they will never go to. They'll never touch this and it's like we'll never do that their version of dark magic chaos magic yeah. and that's what <laughs> yennefer does yeah and it's like we will never use it to to basically they're not they're not soldiers yeah. yeah they they don't do this type of thing but then we literally see in season 1 yennefer being a soldier like fighting mm-hmm. in that war and in this episode we see tsaya essentially torturing Exactly. Like to extract, interrogate, like interrogate. You could say, like, okay, well, they they use their words. No, no, no. She's like based on her fingers are in the brain. They're pulling yeah, yeah. the information out. Exactly. So it's they they're slowly becoming what they swore they would not be.
0: Yeah, and it's and it's a really good visual, visualization of it as well. You can tell yeah. how painful it is for for Kahir and how much she's willing to force it's like she's going in with an ice cream scoop she's willing to do that kind of level of brutality to this guy to get the information he has
1: that's it but we we do learn a little bit later that there is a magical block there that they weren't able to dare i say mine his mind for information Mm -hmm. like they thought they would be able to so um just you know interesting yeah absolutely uh that's it for
0: our first episode discussion any notes about the episode anything they haven't we've, we've left out i know there's there's uh one element which is uh fringilla and yennefer the fact that yennefer's alive is confirmed in the episode i suppose we kind of left her not knowing where she was going to be of course she was going to come back but um, but we kind of left her not knowing where she was going to be but in this episode confirmed that she's on the road with fringilla uh and uh, a prisoner
1: Nif- of fringilla yes. and
0: nilfgaard uh yes for a little while until um Every single one of the North Guardians gets uh, gets an arrow to the head or the body to kill them, and the two of them are left on their own facing an unknown enemy. So, um, I kind of like that. That you know, Frigilla is quite confident about the fact that she's in the right position, she's on the right side, she's captured Jennifer. So she's kind of talking down to Jennifer, and then by the end of the episode, it's just the two of them left alone uh, with enemies coming coming towards them. So, uh,
1: knocked a little bit of that confidence out of her. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Any other notes for the episode, guys? No, I just have my out of five, to be honest, mm-hmm. for this episode. I'd give it four lords of bad breath out of five. <laughs> um, I thought it was a really strong opener. So, yeah, really enjoyed this. I loved getting to see uh, and reconnecting with the monsters of this world, which are, are truly dark and terrifying. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: I would have gone four lords leaping only because no. it's
0: just gone past christmas
2: i know that's the like, thing. <laughs> so we just imagine this was still the the, the festive season right. well it is right.
1: but in this world it is four lords of bad breath mm-hmm. well, it's then they're, they're not leaping
2: it because it, it, you know they're leaping uh, to their death maybe now as, <laughs> Geralt, as well exactly but as
1: yeah. Geralt says to siri um you'll ha- there'll be plenty of lords of bad breath for you to marry and um, so he's trying to protect her. Yeah.
0: I've had, I've had Christmases like that before. Uh, let's get on to our discussion about the second episode of Witcher season two.
2: Wolf, you're home.
0: Finally. Vesemir. Yeah.
3: I had to make a few stumps.
0: Excellent. Thanks for staying with us, fellow witchers. We're going to talk about episode two, Care Moren, the second episode of the Witcher season two, uh, based on the book series by Andrzej Subskowski and the game series from CD Projekt Red. From showrunner Lawrence Smith-Hitrich and once again, episode directed by Stephen Sergic. Uh, this episode was written by Bo DeMeo. Uh, he wrote the animated prequel movie, The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf. It came out in uh, October of last year. Um, yeah. Myself and John did watch that back in October and we got a recommendation from one of our uh, fellow Witchers to check it out. It's really good. It is really good. It's a yeah. really good prequel. Really movie. enjoyed prequel it. Um, Bo Mayo does such a great job of of getting elements of it that while not essential to watch it to see season 2 there are bits of it that you can really feel come into season 2 That some of the actors from the show um reprise their voices uh for the for the animated show but there are elements of Carman that you see in the prequel animated movie um that are brought into this episode so yeah, yeah.
1: and and it certainly builds um the connections with this series mm-hmm. um yeah. as well as we progress through to episodes three and four as yeah. well so it's a nice bit of context that it provides for for, for uh season two of, yeah. of the witcher it really does yeah it's that during in that time when garroth becomes a witcher when he's a, a, a
0: young man surrounded by other young witchers so uh, if you want to know that story it's a pretty good place to start i think yeah, yeah go check that out uh, john do you want to give us a synopsis for the second episode cameron
1: hmm <laughs> Geralt takes Ciri to the safest place he knows on the continent, the home of the Witches, Kaer Mohen. Geralt happily reunites with his brotherhood as they settle in for the winter. A young Witcher Eskel returns late after a difficult battle with a forest creature called a leshy, for despite his claims, Eskel didn't defeat the leshy. He's been infected by it and has been transformed into a leshy hybrid. The witches try to capture the new beast and save Eskel, but when it attacks Vesemir, Geralt is forced to kill it and the young Witcher inside. He agrees to train Ciri in the ways of the Witcher, as even his homeland is unsafe. Meanwhile, Yennefer and her captor Fringilla are in turn captured by a large group of elves, led by another sorceress, Francesca Finderbearer. She takes Yennefer and Fringilla with her to meet the Deathless Mother, who convinces Fringilla and Francesca to form an Elven Northguardian alliance to take back what was theirs. Yennefer attempts to leave through a portal, but discovers her magic is gone. Ooh,
0: big moment uh, for the character of Yennefer in this episode. Chris,
1: do you want to kick us off with her with your big
0: moment for the
2: episode? Sure. Um, my very much. Big point was Yennefer, the oh, not so powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. just I, I wanted to focus in on the 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 ending of this. So, one bit I wanted to call out was uh, I think we talked about it in the very kind of first season overview. Is The Witcher is based on a lot of kind of Eastern European mythology. So you get Baba Yaga, which is their their big bad witch in the woods. um and the this this evil one that the, that that Yennefer goes to, uh, including the 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 even the hut with no doors, mm-hmm. yeah. is directly kind of linked to the the mythology of Baba Yaga. Right. Baba Yaga lived in a hut in the woods that had uh, chicken legs. Right. That grew on basilisk legs and. Had no doors until, until you uttered the, the enchantment the for Baba Yaga. Mm-hmm. And that she would then allow you in and you would go and meet this. So I was like, where are they going with this? Like they went downstairs in a thing and mm-hmm. now they're in the woods. So I was like, it's getting interesting. Are we going to meet just an old el- elven witch mm. called Baba Yaga? No, we get this other type of entity thing. And this is still a longer play, and what kind of how this all works out between the 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 three different people is interesting.
3: Uh-huh.
2: But more, it's the focus on Yennefer, the powerless now, that I'm interested in yeah, because yeah. all of season one, well, well, the story of season one was the 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 birth of Yennefer, the of of. Her her storyline was her birth her her origin story mm. up until the ending of where she has been in Sodden Hill and as you said like it's that kind of she was powerless she yep. became powerful she became Yennefer, Yennefer. of Vingvar and then Yennefer the savior of Sodden Hill mm-hmm. the all also powerful who tapped into chaos magic and really was this this hero, what, like, she's not there. She doesn't have it. Yeah. And it was so interesting to find that out because we thought that she was wearing the shackles that were stopping her Mm -hmm. with her power. When in actual fact, she does, she no longer has magic. She's lost
0: it now. Exactly. Exactly. Cause you're right that the storyline of the season the first season was about her becoming, getting her power, but, kind of the second half of the season. I know the story was very different in the first season move moved around timelines, but kind of the second part of her story was not just that she'd become magical. It was about her attaining every form of power she could possibly get yeah. her hands on to achieve something that was chaos. She wanted to have a child when she couldn't have a child. She was pushing every form of magic possible in order to, to attain something that's yeah. unattainable so she was massively powerful by the end by the end of the season which is why no. she was able to win that battle at sodden hill but now she's got nothing she's back to not even being able to open a portal to to travel away from uh, the Nuff guardians so um it, it's a it's a sudden cut sudden stop what's going to happen with this character
1: well yeah, yeah. Uh, no absolutely i, I I kind of, I like this, uh, you yeah. know, Yennefer suddenly being depowered effectively and seeing her in this, in this world because yeah. she always had smart. So I'm, I'm interested now seeing her with the, using her, her melon effectively, mm. um, Absolutely. in this world while she doesn't have magic. I think also just coming back to what Chris was saying about the, the witch. Um, the old witch, or or the the deathless mother, mm-hmm. uh, in the forest. Like it seems as well. Back in Kermaun, uh, Vesemir tells a story to Siri of, about. You know, a long, long time ago where the witches imprisoned um, a a demon witch in a hut in the forest in a temple like Mm Artusa. And you see the ruins of this temple that is very similar to Artusa where the mages are that juts out across uh, the sea uh, to a, a little pinnacle um, uh, out out uh, just offshore. So mm-hmm. that was that was quite a nice little sort of touch point and okay. um, see, seeing those things uh, so in, in Mother, here as well. Possibly the, the Witcher's so first this, and the oldest enemy exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, which it was really good. And then just that idea of the shared dreams that yeah, effectively definitely. what yeah. what comes to fringilla to the the elf queen and to yennefer what they're looking for so i mean there are deals being made separate deals mm-hmm. uh with the 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 hooded figures in this this their dreams yeah um, of, of of different colors so uh that was really uh nice uh in in this uh episode as well really really enjoyed that absolutely and if you tie it to
0: to fables and uh and, and stories effectively it's another um layer on top of who the deathless mother is she's visiting each one of these three people in the visits that they would want to see a real demonic thing to do it's it's who is she presenting as to convince each of these people to do what she wants them to do i love that yennefer's kind of going Nope, done. I'm out. But Frangilla and uh the Elf Queen Fra- uh, Francesca are both convinced of this plan to merge the elves and the Nilfgaardians guardians together to form a new army versus um the rest of the world versus the humans really.
1: And that makes sense given the elves really seem pretty nomadic, mm. you know.
2: Yeah. No, and uh, that's the, one of the fun parts of this. It's we we've talked about the the death of the or the, the looming of the the evil we talked about that in the in season in episode one of the yeah. season, yeah. i.e., like the the Ragnarok or the 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 wild hunt is coming yeah. and like all the evils. So when we hear the two, when we start to connect the dots, that the one of the most powerful ancient evils that the Witchers have ever faced. It's pretty much are about to be released, yeah. And we're connecting these dots. We're like, uh, and this is episode two. Mm-hmm. Reminder, episode two, where we're <laughs> meeting potentially the most biggest evil. And you're like, all right, okay, this yep. where the wheels are coming off, we're going full steam on episode two.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, anything else on you
2: ever, Chris? No, no, no. I was just about to ask you, what was your big point for this episode?
0: Do you know, it's something that I really um, like about. A second season of a show is i love them and they start to really expand the world out they had a lot of locations yeah. in the last season and loads of timelines going on but i still felt it, it. still the story itself felt smaller than already it feels in the second season and one of the elements that they've added which is my point for the episode is the elves of this world um in loads of fantasy stories there are elves and they're always looked upon as beautiful creatures that are uh, quite soft spoken but good fighters you know kind of thing yeah. Whereas here they're looked on as the ancient past that the humans want to get rid of from this world. They're treated uh, abhorrently um, throughout. They're hunted down like uh, like uh, something that needs to be ridden ridden from the world,
1: effectively. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of like they've had their time. Yeah, and you know, it's human long, time long live yeah. Homo sapiens. Effectively, yeah. the age of elves has gone. I mean, you get the sense definitely that they. They had possibly that poise, you know, in ages gone by, but that because of their treatment by humans, then more than most are now um, dare I say it, much more uh, base, and you definitely get that in in the next episode. Well, as that's well. one yeah. of the
0: elements that's in in the book about this section, this this area where they are in the forest, this uh, this former city that was there was actually destroyed by the elves when they left it was a beautiful city owned by the elves and effectively they said we would rather destroy it than hand it over to the humans who've been torturing and uh, and abusing us for so long so uh, so these locations that they're that they're based in when they're looking for uh, remnants of their history these are areas that they used to belong in but the humans started stealing all of the beautiful things that they had created, and then punishing them and trying to push them out of their lands. Which is, you know, the the connection that they have throughout this this these episodes. You can hear um, from what Francesca is saying. Sintra yeah. used to be an area where they where they lived. It was taken over from them and taken away from them. We know Sintra from it being the home of Siri and her family, but previously in previous generations, that was an elven home. So, um, yeah. so they they are hugely persecuted hugely hard done by and have been for centuries but they're trying to make a stand yes. and come back now um so it's a it's a really interesting story and and speaks to the wider world of what everybody's doing uh, in in this world of the continent what where, where all those players are so I uh, really like that addition in this episode
2: whole wholly agree i i like that the elves are treated like Orlando Bloom's career. It peaked with Lord of the Rings and being an elf. And <laughs> back in the day and now, right now, it's no longer there.
0: That's um, awful, Chris. He, he <laughs> also did Pirates of the Caribbean. That was it, wasn't it? <laughs> That was it? Hey, hey, I hey, love hey.
2: that you have to check that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like six, uh, six years of his of his career, right?
2: Yes, exactly. No, no, no. Like, and I and love... a
0: great episode of extras. Sorry, never forget that. Yeah. Always,
2: extras. <laughs> always
3: extras.
1: He came back for The Hobbit as well. He did.
3: Well, he did. But
2: whatever, whatever your that, views the on
1: the hobbits are, he, he, he exactly. did come back. For he the came hobbits.
2: back for it. Um, I look, I, I, this is the reason back in the day we, we had this discussion to start talking about the Witcher because the, the, this is not your, this is not your Tolkien universe to a degree. Mm. It's not that everything is rosy to a degree. When I I mean the high fantasy rosiness like that the good always wins etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. This is oh no 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 like your your beautiful flighty fighters of an elf are being overrun and kicked from their home yeah. by big bad humans. Um so I love that interesting and we learn it straight away, like as we're sitting there in the camp, that even a sorceress who is half elf, in Yennefer, mm-hmm. or partially elf, is still treated as a prisoner and dirt to the elves. Yeah, and you're like, that's where it's starting to get to. That I know you're siding with the enemy. Like you're not, you're like us, but you're worse because you're dealing with them.
1: Yeah, yeah it, it really adds a nice complexity to it because it is, like you say, Jennifer. You know, a half quarter elven, and, and and the other human, but looked down upon by uh, the elves, or do, you know, the elves don't want to consider her. Um, at the same time, the reverse is the case with the humans that we see certainly in the the, the episode three, mm-hmm. where. Jennifer is distrusted because she has elven uh, lineage in, in her. And so it, but it's also, so th- there's that element where they're actually exactly the same. It's just yeah. that overarching all of that is that the humans have got the predominance. And so, our, you know, at once they would have just tolerated it, but as now, they're persecuting them and, and again that comes out further uh over the next few episodes yeah. but yeah. so it it just it shows the complexity of, of these different cultures within this world and reflects you know effectively what happens in this world in in, in different ways you know yeah yeah absolutely, so it, yeah. i thought this was really good i definitely loved the introduction of the elves and I, I, like you say, I really like that they're kind of potty-mouthed, uh, to be honest. Well, um, absolutely. You but- know, they'll pick their nose. and <laughs> Quite frankly, you wouldn't see Elrond do that. I
0: don't. Think. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. He's he's off on the western shores. Um, but the, the I do like that they add the complexity of him. like it is focused right now on Yennefer and the fact that she has yes. some Elven blood uh, in her past. But this is all introduced in in the book in one conversation right at the beginning. It's the opening story, so that just shows you how important this is to the world. The opening conversation that's going on in a bar between dwarves and humans and elves is about the fact that. There is a movement to rid the world of elves, and the elves have been here so long they were here at the birth of humanity. They were the dominant species on the planet and they have been reduced and reduced yeah. and reduced now yeah, exactly. to the point that they're not. And one of the dwarves makes a point going, um, but the elves are still beautiful creatures, and there is not a human alive that would wouldn't have at least five percent elf of their history because yeah. The humans were such a small race. Of course, they bred uh, throughout throughout the the centuries with the elves. So it's not a straight down the line. Um, we're pushing you back to your country or anything like that. This is the former this... dominant species in this.
1: Yeah, in It's this, pure and it's pure bloods. It's it's that idea as well of mm. being pure blood from the humans as well as from the elves. It's the not accepting that no one is pure blood. Um, from um, exactly. on the human
0: side yeah there's no yeah. there's no such thing as a pure blood human yeah. because they were the they were the dominant race before they started or a, a pure
1: blood elf apart yeah. from some potentially and that's mm. the thing it all becomes a little teutonic doesn't exactly. it really
0: which, which i really like the complexity that's that's being added from this story john you're last to go with your big moment from the episode i think that's it for uh, for the elves for me
1: uh, yeah mine's just another monster to be honest uh mm. it's the leshy um i thought this was such a cool design I loved it oh my goodness um I love the fact that that the the fight scene as well with Geralt and and Vesemir as well taking Mm -hmm. on this leshy but actually it's a leshy that has um you know has more skin in the game for them because it's it sprouted out of one of the witches, uh, Eskel yeah. And, you know, to the wider point of this world, it's the world is evolving, uh, monsters are changing. And again, it's something that connects back to that animated series that we talked about. Mm-hmm. So I, I love this. But I mean, first and foremost, I just, I love that the design of, um, the, the Leshy, uh, and the tree. Yeah. I love the fight with, um, all the branches rushing into the kind of that central room uh, yeah. where where the witches kind of do their experiments and so on and of course yeah the the skin in the game you you, you get the sense you know that that Geralt uh, and Eskel have a long history together probably mm-hmm. recruited at the same time went through the whole witcher process roughly at the same time you know good friends there's that that brotherhood as well of the witches mm. Yeah. and so suddenly as well just seeing kind of the little groot sprouting out of his shoulder blades um <laughs> and and seeing that evolve into that whole design of this less sheet I thought was really yeah. really cool yeah. Um, i have to say and to be honest I think that's really about it really I uh-huh. just thought it looked like properly well done and to the to the fight scene uh, certainly with the blade sort of geralt's sort of lighting
2: putting the igni spell on. yeah
1: lighting that that blade with the spell and then having to thrust it into effectively uh his friend's heart who's been consumed and taken over by this leshy that is evolving to be able to do this i mean the the important thing is that leshies have never done this before Mm -hmm. um and it is it is the 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 shifting sands on the consonant um that are beginning to unleash new monsters uh, evolving things that are happening in this world and and it's unsettling for Geralt and you get those few moments where it becomes unsettling um you know for him so I, I thought this was really really nicely done
0: yeah it really was and I do like that Geralt defeats uh We'll say uh, Leshy Eskel um, defeats him the same way that uh, Eskel was told he could have defeated uh, the the, uh, the Leshy that he was fighting. Yeah, he was, he was going, Oh, six I hours. Had a six hour fight, and they're going, All you need to do is stab the heart with some fire. Why did that not occur to you in the six hours of battle? But that, I think, beca- that, that kind of took me off guard that this could have happened to Eskel. I knew there was a pending danger coming. You know, it was something about them having uh the, the group of prostitutes they brought home from the bar to uh Cameron. I know you don't do that with the Witchers, this is a hidden home for them. You don't bring people back to it. It's not something that you would generally do, especially when you're hiding someone like Siri there. I thought that was the thing we were being warned about throughout the episode that hang on a second, Eskel has brought people into this home that he shouldn't have brought in. Yeah. So I was yeah. watching them and then it turns out they were going, Oh, we should, never should have come to party with witchers because your place is cray cray. I really like that. But uh, so that took me off guard that that's what would, what could happen with Eskel, that he would, that he would be the one that tra- would transform, especially because there's so few witchers left. Um, yeah, it feels like we've just lost another one off the table.
2: Yeah. So. No, exactly. And, but they went out of the way to make you not like this character from, mm-hmm. like, from moment one.
3: Yeah.
2: I was like, Oh no, why not like do it like, Make it one of the characters you really get invested in. <laughs>
3: yeah. I
2: understand why, because they want him around further in. Um, I love that they, it, it's a, this one for me feels like a, a direct stab at the heart, literally, <laughs> um, for Lord of the Rings fans in the, tr- the tree beard kind of. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> because even the um, prostitute slags Eskil. For his battle mm-hmm. with the six hour battle, and he then gets angry and then becomes the tree bird and becomes the leshy. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was, as you said, John, it looked beautiful. The fight was now my only problem, and it's nothing to do with this episode. That fight battle was ruined for me by the Graham Norton show. Okay. When Henry Cavill was doing his PR kind of press tour, he was on the Graham Norton show, and this was the clip they showed. Oh, right. And they right. showed all the tree bits going in, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, oh! This is I now I know what's happening. Right. And I understand, I know what this is going to be. So, not a, a, a slight on the show at all. It was so good. I just wish I, I hadn't seen it, not seen it, I should
0: say. Yeah, good memory, Chris. Oh, we I, we saw that episode, uh
1: and I do not remember that clip I mean. <laughs> I mean it it's, it's I think as well, it's the darker side of myth, isn't it? So like you say, mm-hmm. you know, the less you hear is not is different to I guess tree beard um or the you know, the 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 green tree or the green man in in uh wheel of time it, yeah. because that that's taking the kind of the the nature side of it you know the yes. guardians of nature and then you have um here which is evil it's like with the witch from the first one the the, babo- the babayaga babayaga um and, and all, all of that kind of thing, you know, or like Hansel and Gretel or whatever it yeah, might exactly. be. It's all the this, beauty and the beast. Exactly. It's all the kind of <laughs> darkness. So it kind of, it's just that different take, isn't it? On fantasy. It brings it much darker yeah. and much more connected to, you know, as you say, the. Mythologies and, uh, and the things used to frighten children and, yeah. and, and adults, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in, yep. in in their way of uh, of life. Absolutely. Oh, they're still frightening me. There was a few jumps from John. Washington Certainly was. It. <laughs> always <is. laughs>
0: definitely, definitely. Uh, But a good one, yeah. A good a uh, good monster of the week being tied in with the um, with the witchers this time.
2: Uh, Agreed. The, yeah, good stuff. But uh, I think we're at the end of this yep. episode, gents. Any notes? With this
0: one. Not for me. I definitely have one note. Um, Vesemir. We have our introduction of Vesemir.
2: The yeah.
3: Kind, the
0: kind of leader of the Witcher, with the Witchers. A really important character, but we never got to see him throughout season one. He's, he's, he's a very central character. There's the story of, of Geralt and, and the story of who the Witchers are. So, uh, I think it was really good to see him, uh, in the episode. He plays exactly as I would expect him to play, um, in the show. He's really good. I, li- I like this character. I like this kind of, um, he is stoic and he is, uh, he is a really confident character, yeah. but very different to Geralt. And I think, th- I think the two of them together work really, really well. Yeah,
2: so- yeah. This is the character that everyone wanted uh, Mark Hamill to play. Oh, right, right. Um, There was petitions in all of season one to get Mark Hamill because he looked so much like Luke towards the end in the the, the sequels. A <laughs> uh, quick note for me um, on the tree: uh, they have um, the actual the the amulet. From Geralt in the video games,
3: the as Man. well
2: as his two swords. Okay. That was Series C's. So the two starting swords in the third game are on display uh, as they enter the armory.
0: Very good. The yeah, ones very that good.
2: Series I was like, nice little nod just to, mm-hmm. kind of for those who kind of have played those games so much.
0: And this is the Witcher Tree that's covered by all the Witcher medallions as well. Listed. Correct,
2: yes. All the dead Witchers.
0: So something I noticed much more this time was the warning that those medallions give. Um, for the impending doom. It's yes. something that's really clear in the book that that's what's happening. Every time they're close to something evil, uh, the medallion gives them some kind of uh, warning ahead of time. Their little spidey sense. Sense, yeah. sense. The witcher sense. The witcher sense. But I loved that moment when the leshy's breaking out from Esker and you see all the medallions going on the tree. I thought that yes. was, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That's it for our notes. John, what's your out of five for this episode?
1: Yeah, um, and... Obviously, great minds think alike, uh, like myself and Chris. Um, I would give this four and a half psycho tree beards out of five. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I, I, I loved this. I loved get, getting to Kermore and, um, seeing, mm-hmm. you know, the, the witch's fortress and, and bastion. Um, it was just really, really nicely done. And as you say, it just expanded in, in one episode. It's just, kind of flung open the doors with with the witches, mm-hmm. home the elves uh, and of course just these ancient uh beasts whether it is the the witch in the forest or the evolving ones like the leshy so yeah. th- this was this was really good yeah so yeah. four and a half psycho tree beards out of five i i suspect we won't see any of these in the lord of the rings uh series coming up in september you never know. You never know. Early,
0: <laughs> earlier in middle, middle Earth, maybe they were a bit more violent. Uh, maybe. Probably not. Probably not. Even with Esker's assertion that, um, that Kermoran is a hollowed out, uh, for a uh, uh, remnant of its former glory, I still want to, I'm still really glad we're going to spend so much more time there as the show goes on because it really establishes itself quite well as this central location. I think the Brotherhood of the Witchers themselves definitely yeah. really, really well. This, this place where they hunker down for the winter, um, before they go out on the next, big missions to go and gather coin and, and take out uh, take out all the beasts across the land of the continent I love that I love their home even though as I say Esker is saying to Siri, you're not going to like it here it's just a shell of its former glory um, kind of writes it off but I love it I love the, the design of this very cool let's get on to our discussion about episode 3 guys how did we miss this
3: I feel like the continents of old been underneath our feet and I didn't say it coming maybe another
0: conjunction will come along and change it all again
3: I know you think I'm mad but I need to know what happened if it were your child
2: you'd be going crazy to figure it out what you missed what you could have done
3: differently I know it's a burden I now share.
0: Welcome back, fellow witchers, for episode three, our discussion of what is lost. What is lost in this episode? Was well, is
2: lost, uh, yeah. Lost well, lost, I believe frankly. it was uh, essentially purgatory with a mix of time and space but it was JJ Abram's kind of starting block?
0: Uh kind of, kind of. Um <laughs> But Lost is a great show. Uh don't believe the hype. Yeah. It's uh, it's better than you think. Let's not go down that rabbit hole yeah, we of don't. what is lost. Yeah, just, just go watch it, <laughs> it's really good. Um the show, of course, based on the book series by Andres Sapkowski, the game series by CD Project Red. showwriter for the show is Lauren Schmidt Hisrich. Once again, we have to call these people out because they're really important and their involvement in the show is, is really important. Uh, this episode was directed by Sarah O'Gorman, a British director. This is her first of two episodes for this season of the show, but has directed tons and tons of TV show, including uh, one of your favorites, John. She's directed two episodes
1: of The Last Kingdom. Yeah, very good. And it's perfect, uh, perfect territory for. Her. I mean, I know mm-hmm. the Last Kingdom is kind of uh, Vikings and and Saxons and yep. so on, but you know, it it's kind of got the same vibe uh, as The Witcher. Just there's there's not magic, but yeah. they all believe in magic, which is the difference, I guess. Yeah, no one can so actually Game of Thrones
2: without the dragons. Uh,
0: yeah, and a little lower budget. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that.
1: it's certainly lower um, budget. Yeah. I don't know
0: whether I've ever told this story on the podcast because uh, a lot of times I'm I'm left editing the show when John goes in and and has to watch fill his, fill his time with, him, with <laughs> things that I uh, don't watch with him. So he he chose The Last Kingdom because he's really interested in history and the Viking stuff. And uh, every time I'd come down, he'd have watched three or four more episodes of the show and then three or four more and then three or four more. He'd gotten through like five seasons of the show over the course of uh, of a couple of months uh, while I was doing the editing after the podcast. Uh, it came up to his birthday and I knew he was really enjoying the show, so. Uh, I went there to get the series of books that uh, that The Last Kingdom was based on, um, and ordered them. Got them sent to us. Uh, they came in, and there was fifteen books <laughs> for uh, for John to read uh, at his leisure. Um,
1: I'm still working through them. I've yeah. only actually covered one of them yeah. because I read it during the the lovely, nice weather. It's, in fact, to be honest, it's kicked off. Uh, my book reading, yeah. and of course, the the issue is that I've gone straight into reading Wheel of Time stories, <laughs> so it's like of course. too many books,
0: not enough time to read them. Absolutely, but it's one of those ones when you buy a gift for somebody and you go, this would be great, and then the reality of 15 300-page <laughs> books arriving at the same it was time. It's lovely, and they're all um,
1: quite nicely, nice length, to be honest. Yeah. yeah yeah.
0: still still um on unlike getting a couple of seasons of a tv show which you could just put on in the background uh books you kind of have to actually read which is a lot of a lot of time commitment but uh apparently really good go check out uh, last kingdom um with director sarah gorman doing two episodes on there this episode was written by claire higgins along with uh lauren smith-hisrich um Claire Higgins worked as a writer's assistant on season one of The Witcher and also on The Umbrella Academy with uh, with Stephen Sergic and Laurence So uh So really good to see her jumping up in, in season two and getting this, uh, this yep. second episode credit. Excellent stuff.
2: And she delivers. Yes, she, she does. does. She, she really does. John, do you want to tell us what they
1: gave us with the synopsis for this episode? Sure. After losing her magic, Yennefer returns to the sorcerer's homeland of Art- Artusa, A battle for leadership is underway as Desire and Vilgeforce aim for the throne of the Brotherhood. But Stregobor has other plans. He uses his distrust of the elves to throw doubt on Yennefer's allegiances. He forces her to execute the captured Nilfgaardian Cahir in front of all the Brotherhood. Yennefer takes Cahir with her and goes on the run. Meanwhile Fringilla the elves and their pregnant leader, Francesca, settle in Sintra under the protection of the Nilfgaardians. Francesca aims to fight for their right to have a true home on the continent. At the witch's home of Kermorin, Siri Ciri pushes her training on the witch's course, the killer, to impress the critical group. She almost completes the trial, but leaves plenty of blood behind her. Geralt diverts her attention by bringing Ciri on the hunt for the leshy that killed Esker. But a creature he's never seen before destroys the leshy and sets sights on Geralt and Ciri. It chases them, and as Ciri is under attack, Geralt kills the beast. He certainly does. What a great kill as well. Jumping off a cliff, uh, to sort of basically slice it in half with his sword. Absolutely.
0: I know we're, we're all gamers here. This definitely reminded me of a, of a God of War, uh, quick time event, um, as, as Geralt jumps off the top of the, uh, the top of the cliff to take out the, this new beast. Uh, definitely.
1: Great. And all that training, the swordcraft element here, certainly with the straw figure that, um, Siri is using to practice her sword skills. Uh, that really took me back to to the the game as well another element of, of uh, the the CD project uh, red game as mm-hmm. well it was really cool absolutely so that was nice, nice And it touch. is
0: also the opening of uh, of the book I um, the the first book of the series is Siri in her training uh, going through the exact emotions effectively so uh, so it it was really interesting to see it brought to screens so three different forms of media telling that same moment effectively its moment when Siri is, is training to become a witcher like that clearly shows the importance of this scene you know Siri throughout the first season could have been just the um the uh the princess being saved by uh, by the witcher but already showing into this second season that she has a far bigger future for her um oh, yes. not not just that magical explosion moment at the end of the season um that's still a mystery at the moment um but the fact that she could become uh, become a witcher could be trained at least in the witcher ways um who wants to start off with uh
1: with their big moment from the episode john do you want to kick us off yeah i'm just going to pick up a few threads from from the Leshie actually in Eskel because here we see Geralt guilty uh about what's happened to Eskel, the fact that he he's dead mm-hmm. uh, and then we get that nice gruesome scene with uh, vesemir doing the autopsy on mm-hmm. um, on Eskil, to try and figure out what's going on, and as I mentioned before, this is where the threads of, you know, there's not there's something not quite right here. First, Leshies aren't supposed to do this, but yeah. the, there's nothing that Vesemir can find from his autopsy that gives any hint why um, it it effectively consumed and took over Eskel's body. Exactly. Is it? More- Tree surgery than than uh, autopsy though. Well, there's certainly flesh still under the the bark, right? Um, right. So, or is
2: there? It's more like ash.
1: Well, no. In, in this scene here, there's there's distinctly um, true. The fl- flesh. There's distinctly flesh, and um, as well that you know, there's a bit of sort of throwback coming onto Geralt as well from the other witches, particularly, yeah. um, Lang Chop, uh, who <laughs> is uh, you know is blaming Geralt for the the events that happen, really. I mean, ultimately, it's linked to Ciri's presence there and um, and the fact that, you know, they're a brotherhood. Maybe it, it should remain that. And so mm. the, there's a lot of things moving through here and um, that are unknown to the witches, and, and that's unsettling them. I'm yeah. really sort of throwing them off guard. And this is where um we see that, um you know, they're, that they've missed w- with their sort of the ways of the Witcher, the way the world has gone, the way they have been just killing monsters that they have. They've effectively missed developments and evolutions going on in this world. This is worse. Um, Geralt says the world is evolving, you know, that a leshy can now mutate, and, and witches have become so afraid because there's so few of them, absolutely, and, and their dwindling numbers that they they've missed um, these things which they should know in order to do effectively what they they're brought up and, and trained for as as their job. So, um, I really this uncertainty, this doubting that's going on within the witches, and throwing that as well. Uh, another reason for throwing that to to, to gerald uh, uh, is is uh, i really enjoyed because it just kind of strengthened this this uh you know this society this group this brotherhood of the witches and the the internal tensions that are going on uh there as well yeah. and and it comes even more to the the four were. There's the, I, I don't know what they call it. I, I, I'm just calling it the creepy crawly monster. It looks like a, a mutated centipede effectively. Mm-hmm. But here it is a, another element that is new, completely different. Geralt hasn't seen it before. And it in fact takes out. Um, the original Leshy as well. Which again, the design of that was cool. It looked evil. It looked like a tree. It looked like it could really um, whip Geralt's ass. And as he's summoning the spell to to fire up his sword, then it's just split in two by this um, even more disgusting uh, (laughs) creepy crawly monster that is completely new for Geralt. And so there's all this stuff and you know it's linked to a lot of um just the little touches that we see with siri as well being slightly mysterious to geralt as well so yeah this this is all like sort of coming together quite nicely here and uh i I really enjoyed it yeah
0: yeah it was really interesting wasn't it and that that kind of layer of the witcher's allowing things to go unnoticed or or things are going unnoticed because there's so few of them is, is really important remember this is the, in this world there would have been hundreds of witchers at some point in the in history so it's not only that there's a small amount of them it's also the kind of um, antagonism that's there because they've lost Eskers because it's also really rare that they lose any any witchers at this stage, they come back together every winter to kind of count and make sure that they are all still alive, that that's why they're kind of coming back in Kaer at this time. Um, It's to kind of make sure that the, the numbers haven't gone any fewer. So the fact that they are all back and nobody was missing when they came back here, es- Esker was the last one to come in and he's dead, is a really big yeah, deal for them. Definitely. Lose another one out of their number, um, potentially at the hands of Geralt he's not to blame uh, It's it's the, it's the fault of the Leshy, of course he couldn't he couldn't have done anything to save him but um but that's why it's so antagonistic between between them because they've lost one of their number and they haven't for a very long time and their numbers are so small they can't afford to lose anybody
2: yeah no and they can't make new witchers that's the, the key yeah and um, that was kind of discussed briefly I think dropped line in the last season mm-hmm. um, and not very much more we do know that they lost a lot of Witchers. We saw that on the tree Um in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Each of those medallions oh, yeah. is a different Witcher. And that's been some of them from the sack of K. Moran, um And then some of them just through standard work practice. Yep. They are monster hunters. Um now there are other schools of Witchers, um, which hasn't really been it's been alluded to mm-hmm. um in the previous um, kind of season, that I'm assuming they'll touch on it more now, that like this is the school of the wolf, this is the school of the bear, the school mm-hmm. of the cat. Um, so there are other witcher schools and kind of places like that, but two days within this show right now, yeah. it's just really focused on uh, Vesemir and kind of Geralt's kind of school, the school of the wolf, yeah. Um, yeah. i.e. the wolf head and all the different variations of that. Exactly, exactly. Um, I'll actually jump in here as well if that's okay, mm-hmm. yeah, because yeah. my point is somewhat linked, which is we're getting more information about series sonar compass <laughs> um that's i don't know that, yeah. her, her 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 spidey sense her series sense, if you will mm-hmm. um that she's pulled towards i i, I want to say corruption
3: mm-hmm. and
2: she's pulled towards evil. I do. It's it it's ambiguous at the moment. It's that basically, Geralt kind of says, What well, what that that if you were to go towards that uneasy feeling that you're kind of being stalked by, where would it lead us?" And that literally leads Geralt and Siri to the Leshy, as exactly. we said, yeah. And but it's actually not the Leshy that it was. I don't know. I don't know know if it was the Leshy that she was actually being tra- pulled to. I think it's potentially this multi-armed legged thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it seemed to be drawn to her.
1: Yeah. And begins to chase it as well. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
2: Yeah. So it's that interesting is she's able to track them, but they are very much or whatever this is, is drawn and attracted and able to track Siri. Yeah. This greater storyline that is being built on and very much is brick by brick by brick. Mm -hmm. Yeah that we're learning more about to the point where I'm like, I don't fully know. And I'm well. but again, like, I haven't finished the full book. I haven't kind of really got very far into the book at all. I know what the storyline in the game is. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see how they're going to continue to build this on because I don't know if they're going to, somewhat depart from that it it is an adaptation and that's the story like the game is an adaptation of the book the book is a uh the 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 og source so (laughs) this is again a an adaptation of uh, that very of that kind of source material
0: yeah and i'll I'll be honest having read the book um there certainly isn't a moment every chapter where Geralt is going to hunt down a, a, a demon or a beast so this this, these parts of the storyline certainly would be spread over multiple books. Um, there are elements of obviously series training as a witcher and there are elements of the mystery of who she is and what she's, uh, what she could be becoming. Um, but we're third episode now and we're, we need, we, the, the structure of the show is we need to have a battle with, uh, with a creature, uh, in each episode. So, um, because it's structured like that, some of the elements of series story are being pulled forward from, Far future books, uh, so that we can tell that element or uh, some far future parts of the story. Um, and yeah. yeah, there's there's certainly much more of a a vibe of the characters on the run most of the time, so that the story of Siri isn't found out. So, as a reader, you don't get the story of Siri. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, and the the other thing that's kind of you know dropped here because is that the visions that. That Siri is having as well. So we're talking about the pull of power, but mm-hmm. she is getting visions. And we, we said that from, um, episode one that, you know, she is able to see the future, but it relates to her mother's magical power. So there's, and we, we know that certainly Siri has got a good old, um, set of lung, lungs on her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, with, uh, from season one. Uh, when she sent out the scream to escape from Cahir Mm -hmm. uh, at the fall of Cintra. So um, she she has all this intrigue uh, around her. And, you know, Geralt can sense that. You know, Geralt, all that sighing and humming that um, Geralt does is probably because he's a deep thinker, ultimately. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, he senses this, but she as well is quite tight and closed about it and you know up to the point where she goes to that source or is pulled by that source of power yeah and yeah. and Geralt follows but you know she's seeing things and there's a concern that Geralt is involved or could be you know the sense of trust between them I think yes she does trust him but she's not too sure how he plays out in her own future uh, when she has these kind of visions that you don't really get to see too much of, really. They're quite, mm-hmm. um, dare I say, it's smudged. It's like looking at a painting really close up.
2: I'm wondering if that style is going to be slowly made clearer. Are they going to slowly pan back and kind of cr- sharpen the image over mm-hmm. the course of series power growing this season or if it's just that kind of is it just a directorial style that it will always be that like you're never going to fully understand what her 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 visions are Mm -hmm. i
1: yeah either that or uh sarah gorman needs to change the depth of field on the focus (laughs) of the lens i guess but it is yeah that's that's the way i felt about it it was kind of like uh, so Siri is only seeing sort of segments yep. of what yep. she's supposed to, and so it's like looking at, you know, the Mona Lisa close up in the top right hand corner. You would, you wouldn't even know it's about a uh, a a a woman with a strange smile, you know, mm-hmm. in, until you pan back or or move around. So yeah, uh, it's you know, it's all adds to the suspicion or intrigue whatever it is as to siri's power yeah it's the mystery of
0: siri and and you're right chris it is this is the first time she's seeing these visions so she has no control over them she has no idea how to focus them and this is something that she will develop um i would presume over time in the same way that she will develop her witcher abilities or in the same way that she'll fall into her magical abilities she'll also potentially have this other power of being able to see the future and be able to see what's what's going on around or being able to look at these visions in a different way so um our two major characters in the show of course are Geralt and Yennefer with Ciri so there's kind of that idea of which side is she going to be on or is Siri going to become the center of both of those sides of this world is she going to become mm-hmm. like a super magical person who has also got all the abilities of the witcher you know that's uh is that the destiny of the series so uh love that of uh, this show and, and there's lots going on here in in uh, to, uh about that development about and um, which is only just starting which i really like I really like stuff uh can i take us over to a please you can. The other side of the continent. Uh, uh yes. Uh, for my big moment for the episode, the return of Yennefer to Artusa. Uh, I really liked how this played out because remember, Tessiah has been torturing Kahir trying to get information about this possible loss of Yennefer. Um, she was, she's writing her name on the, uh, on the board of the dead, uh, mages, the people who died at sodden hill um she's committing that now yennefer is dead and within about two minutes yennefer walks through the door um effectively uh having her uh, getting her name wiped back off that list again Um, again the building out of this world comes in the political intrigue of what's going on in the continent yeah. comes in here yeah. because she's told how much to misses her she's told how how important she was to this battle and how important she was to the war that she is a hero but is told she must keep that silent because they're making a play for the for the main seat now um yeah okay you were a hero but if i find out you're a hero then we may lose the only opportunity we have to take over the throne of the brotherhood of all of the mages which i thought was really interesting (laughs) you know yennefer is coming back hoping maybe i've just gotten myself out of the situation that I was in with the Elf Guardians. I've made my way back to my homeland, and I'll be hailed as a hero. And she told, "Well, you are a hero, but we can't really say anything about that right now." <laughs> Which I thought was a, a, an interesting treatment of of what's going on. And it gets worse for her. Um, the the fact that she w- did spend time with elves and w- with Nilfgaardians Guardians counts massively against her because the other person on the side of that battle for the for the seat for the throne of the Brotherhood is Stregabor who has a massive challenge and a massive um, attack on Tissaia and Vilgeforce who are working together. He's effectively saying that they're supported by Guardians, They're supported by elves. And he does this really emotive play to try and dissuade all the rest of the mages from voting for for them, which is effectively he lost his hands many years ago because of an elf that was seen to be just an innocent. He lost his hands in that attack and he does that fantastic moment where he reveals his hands are actually just sorcery yeah Um, that's a really interesting moment massively emotive but doing exactly the same racist thing that racists always do look at this one time i had an experience with that type of person that now paints the brush on every single person in that entire race and he's telling the story saying it's true because i was there nobody else in that room was there nobody else knows what was happening with this character um but it really speaks to this world and their treatment of elves. I think it's a, a really interesting idea what's going on in that room.
1: Yeah. I liked how he relived the destruction of mirth at the hands of, of the elf. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, interestingly, Istrid as well, the, the guy who was questioned about Nilfgaard uh-huh. and, and the monoliths that he's studying, uh, you know, comes in to, to defend her in, in, in that way. You know, that, that, that one experience and it is to sort of, you know, throw doubt on Yennefer, vilify her because of her elven lineage, Mm -hmm. but also because of her use of fire magic, because the destruction of Mirth, the elf, um, used fire magic yes. uh, in, in in that attack. So, yeah, I, I love this sort of competing interests being played out of uh, Tuza and, and Stregobor, really playing politics here. Uh, he also does... Um, he uses the same uh, technique that Tissaia had used yes. on, on the Nilfgaardian general mm-hmm. on Yennefer um, to, 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 to question her. And yeah. I thought that was really... Really, really good, you know, and, and ultimately uh, asks her to, to prove herself, um, mm. by executing the, the, the general. Um, and to be honest, I, I wasn't expecting her to do that because for me, Yennefer, it seems just kind of really quite, um, Dare I say it sound as a pound, really? Um, you know, <laughs> I, like the, the, there's something, there's something about it that that she seems to have, like her logic sort of makes sense yeah, to yeah. me in, in a lot of ways. But in order um, to fit back in with
0: her truth, I think there is a, a question over it, and, and the fact that that Tosia knows that Yennefer no longer has any magic, she knew that when Yennefer arrived yeah. back. You kind of wonder, given what we'd seen of the journey of Yennefer back in season one, which was all about, I will do anything to get the power that I want. Why isn't she taking them up on the offer to rejoin the brotherhood here? Why isn't she, why isn't she going along with killing Kahri, who was. Their direct foe. Oh, in exactly. One. He, exactly. Was, he was the one leading the army against them, effectively. The option here is but to I'd kill him. S- yeah. But it, I love how it plays out throughout the episode because he's told that they're not even going to kill him. He's yeah. not even worth killing. And then he's told, actually, we're going to murder you in front of the entire Brotherhood. What changed? Well, it's important for her to prove her loyalty to us yeah. now. So that's why you're going to die.
1: And I. In a sense, you know, I wasn't expecting um, her to just suddenly up and run, but it it Mm -hmm. makes sense because it's like, and I don't want to just kill effectively a prisoner of war. And she was herself just a prisoner of war with Fringilla. So I really kind of... Um, I was I was surprised at the the daringness of it all, uh, but I, I I thought that was kind of typical Yennefer and really kind of en- enjoyed it. I loved the setting as well, in whatever um uh, ruined monastery it was uh, yes. where they did it. I thought that was really cool. Was very cool. Right? Um, it, it it did feel um like, hot fuzz a bit with the the town council coming around. um,
2: (laughs) All uh, the kings. (laughs) Except with
1: kings, exactly. The greater good.
2: For me, it looked... So, all of this was great. Mm -hmm. I I love that that we slowly learn that it it is all just, like, back to the politics and all that for the, 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 the council. And that Yen is back for power. She wants her power back and they're not going to be able to offer that. She Mm -hmm. will be less than to them. Even if she kills the Guardian and she proves herself, she will always be less than because she is not a magician now. She cannot even stop him from accessing her mind, Mm -hmm. which she should be able to but she has no power.
0: Exactly. If it hadn't been for she he would have... Been right inside her mind, taking everything out of it.
2: Yeah. yeah. And potentially, like, leaving her uh, a husk, as that Sasaya says, to the Nilfgaardian back in the beginning. It's that, mm-hmm. like, she does not care. If she goes deep enough, she will leave him drooling. Yeah. In this, at the end of this, when you see Yennefer run, she is, she is siding with Nilfgaard. She is. Going beyond that, she is, well, she's siding to get her power. Yeah, she that, is she's siding
0: with herself. I love how she really underlines that point where Kair is going to her. I can't believe you saved me. And she's going, I didn't save you. I took you with me. I'm yes. saving myself. It's nothing to do with Nilfgaard, nothing to do with the elves, nothing to do with Kair. She knows she needs to get out of there and takes him with her. I really like that. Yeah.
2: yeah. She is following her uh, Dark Lady, mm-hmm. the, the, the her Baba Yaga, to see where it takes her. And we do see where it takes her because it happens in the next episode.
1: <laughs> it certainly does. A whiffy place, no less, as well.
2: Oh, it's exactly. Um, is that everything? That's everything for the episode. Yeah.
1: Just, just
0: one quick note. Just great to see Istrid back. Um, really nice to see Istrid back. Really nice to see. Yes.
2: <laughs> it's nice to see all of them back, especially even the pool. Under the sorcerers, where we where we saw that all the slugs and stuff, Oh, yeah. And we see Jennifer yeah. try to call the power of the slugs back, and it's just not working. Mm-hmm. Um, so she then gets a warm bath when the other sorcerers return as well. Yeah, and poor Portress with her uh, scars mm-hmm. that from yeah. the, the 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 fire uh, that and the gates but she doesn't hold that against the end which I, I really enjoyed absolutely
0: well let's say your your warm bath scene is just the return of istrid for us chris yes i know there we That's go <laughs> any other notes for the episode guys none nothing me. else excellent then john what what did you rate this one
1: and um, I, I thought this was another great episode i gave it four and a half outrageous centipedes out of five <laughs> um yeah i just again uh-huh. it uh, same same as last episode again just the really nicely developing this world for me and um, love having yennefer the loved how she escaped from uh the, the the clutches of stregoborn what he was trying to entrap her with uh-huh. there's the um you know we we do get a little glimpse of the elves at Sintra again we've got istrid coming back we've got the um you know everything falling out after eskel's death and mm-hmm. and what happens there and these the, yeah these outrageous outrageous monsters starting to creep into the world they're outrageous i tell <laughs> you but they're four and a half outrageous centipedes out of five for this episode excellent stuff
0: let's get on to our discussion about the fourth episode the last one of this part of our discussion of the witcher
3: trust the path you choose and it will protect you even in darkness as long as you listen always listen
0: and we're back, fellow Witchers, with episode four of The Witcher season two, Redadian Intelligence. Uh, once again, we'll call it out based on the book series by Andrzej Sepkowitz. I said that completely differently this time. I don't know why. <laughs> we'll call it out again based on the book series by Andrzej Sepkowski and the game series from CD Projekt Red with showrunner Lauren schmidt Hisrich and directed once again by Sarah ogorman for episode four, the writer of the episode was Snea Kurse, who also worked on season one of The Witcher and Umbrella Academy, and was a story editor and writer on Daredevil and Constantine, so we've talked about uh, her quite a lot.
2: Constantine the film, or the TV, the, the limited run TV show?
0: No, Constantine the TV show.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was going to say, my God, if she was on the film, I actually recently watched that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and I good. was like, oh... It's, it, it's way better than you remember yeah <laughs> it, it really is yeah yeah. it's, it's one, yeah.
0: Of the, one of those guilty pleasures uh, go back to it quite often I think we've seen it a few times over the last couple of years it's a, it's a good Keanu Reeves movie
2: it really is yeah, yeah, yeah. and it leans heavily into the, the and uh, the the ancient one herself mm-hmm. is in it Tilda Swinton
0: yeah. yep and Shia LaBeouf when he used to be great
2: used to yeah there you go John yeah. do you want to tell us what they gave us
0: with your synopsis for this episode
1: sure Needing help with Ciri's potential magical abilities, Geralt invites the sorcerer Triss to care Mohan. The mage is unimpressed by the witch's ignorance of Ciri's other needs and takes the young princess under her wing. Triss also uses her abilities to discover a connection between the new beasts Geralt fought. Both have traces of a mysterious monolith in their bodies. Siri reveals that in her escape from Cahir after the attack on Sintra, her powers knocked over a monolith. She's afraid she might be the cause of the new mutations, but Vesmia discovers a unique plant at Cairmorn, growing from the blood Siri spills in training. This plant was thought to be extinct, only growing in elder blood, and it could be the key to creation of new witches. Meanwhile, as Jennifer and Cahir try to make their way to safety to the Nilfgaardians at Sintra, elves are being persecuted across the country. In a small village, Yen runs into the, an old travelling companion. Still singing songs for the Witcher, Bard Jaskir is also running a side job getting elves to freedom. Dandelion helps Yen, Cahir and many other elves, including Ciri's former companion Dara aboard a ship bound for Sintra. But as they leave port, they hear a great commotion outside. But all that's left in its wake is the bard's broken loot. Oh, could he be gone that soon? Um, I'm going to kick off
0: my big moment from the episode uh, this time. Um, My my turn to go first uh, this time. Do it. um, Because my point is uh, goodbye, good luck and good riddance. Uh, welcome back, Yasker. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad to see the character back uh, here in this episode. Um, well, I wasn't the biggest fan of him actually in the first uh, first half of the first season, but <gasps> I like Yasker towards the end of last season. And then when he's gone from the show, that kind of comedy element that he brings to it is is also gone. So it was great to have him back as a character here in this episode. A um, little bit more forlorn than he was, or lovelorn lorn almost uh, than he was in season in season one.
2: Very much so. Mm-hmm. Which, like we do learn, he had a full-on crush on that Witcher. Yes, he, he did. certainly
1: did. He is, he is scorned. I think. Yes, a looting bard is scorned for sure.
2: Yes, it was. I again not something I that really came across. I think very it. It, it was hinted at in in glancing looks in season one, oh, but yeah. very much put on put on record here
0: i'll tell t- i'll tell you if it was only hinted at in glancing looks that we saw while watching the tv show uh those glancing looks have become uh millions of memes and gifs um that made it seem much more uh on screen and i'm <laughs> and sure
1: one of those it. glancing looks as well was whilst he was in a hot tub mm-hmm.
2: it, it, it probably which was it is
1: possibly slightly more than a glancing look
2: it was a stare <laughs> with it, it with it mouth a, wide open. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's how you get the song with eye mouth wide open. <laughs> um, it's one of those you don't notice you miss something until it's gone. And it was only when he came back, as you said, which is, oh, this this comedic part, this quick wit. Mm. This bit of fun in a very dark world. And this is four episodes in. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're close to three and a half hours, maybe, or three hours, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like by the time we see that element back, yeah. we got tastes of it again, that write, that writing style from in episode one of the, the banter between, uh, Geralt and, um, the, the beast. Um, but here, Dandelion brings back that, yeah, it really is that. Again, I just find uh, it was something I, I, I think I, I was missing. Yeah. And it's gone so
0: quickly. mm but I, I do love the pairing of him with uh, with Jennifer as well. I love yes. how much of an idiot she thinks he is. But still, it's someone that was on the road and in her past and in her history that she's meeting up with. So they do kind of reconcile a bit, but there's still some nice barbs between the two of them uh, throughout the episode. But there is this kind of overriding air that he is... Uh, in this world, he's kind of a kind of a fairly famous bard. Um, everybody in that in in the bar is singing along with his songs. He's a traveling bard, but everybody knows who he is, and everybody knows the stories that he's telling. These stories of uh, Siri and of and of Yennefer herself and of Geralt that he sings uh, have pervaded. Um, have. It, it, much as they would have done in, in medieval times in, in many countries where the Bard is telling the stories and they're following around all of the towns. This is his position. He's, but I, I also like that he's got his, uh, his uh, rock star haircut as well. Um, feels like He feels <laughs> yeah. like he's really going all in for that. Um,
2: oh, it looks like such a bad wig, though. Absolutely. It really does. It looks like that monkey's 60s, 70s kind of, we want to be the knockoff Beatles. Exactly, yeah. I'm sure um, that's
1: the intention, too. <laughs> yeah I I it's great that he's back for me he it's great that uh Yasky is back I think Joey Beatty, who, who plays the role it is really really good mm-hmm. like you've said just the interaction he has that kind of barbed sense with um Yennefer here I mean god only knows when he meets up with uh Geralt again uh, how, how that's going to be because it's just really really good and um, as well, Yaskia here, you know, has this um, underground um, that he is getting elves to safety. Yeah. Here, you really get the sense of the elves being in like deep, deep doo doo, mm-hmm. literally in the sewers. Um, and I, I really kind of liked here that, that you know he he's this jokey bard, but he he's this freedom uh fighter effectively for for the elves and um i I really like that side to him that has been developed with just this this episode yeah and uh, to see what comes from that and the other thing is he is the one that breaks the fourth wall in respect to the first series where he's speaking we're trying to distract the guard by the ship at at, at the docks Mm -hmm. and the the guard basically asks him oh you're you're the bard and your work's brilliant and so on and it's oh but you know my daughter really likes you but oh um yeah it took a while in that song before i realized there were multiple timelines Mm -hmm. going on and well (laughs) anyone could see that it was a dragon um you know from the first season so it was like I, I thought that was pretty clever, and actually. I, I really like that. Nice bit of, of fun for, uh, yeah. by by everyone involved. I think uh, on the show, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I do love the fact that Yasker's
0: character has grown as well. Because what you kind of get the sense of him in the first season is that he's wants to use the Witcher to further his career. He wants to follow around with him, get inspiration for his songs, so he can make more coin. Um, is is pretty much what Yasker starts out as as a character, and here. As you say, he's running the underground railroad. Uh, effectively, yeah. he's running he's running this way of the elves getting out of these horrible situations that they are in and getting them to the center. Now, I don't know whether I missed it at all, but I didn't hear of any payment going to him for this. It didn't sound like it. Sounds like this is a a, a growth of his character. He's doing this to help people that need to be helped. Um He's not doing it for for coin. Yeah, which is which is again a, a nice. Uh, development of his character, right? Because all he was interested in the first season was wine, women, and song. Um, that was basically yeah. it, and and, and coins. So, uh, so he's he's moved on from that now. It's it's uh he's using that as his cover for helping to free the elves. He so.
1: he is the sandpiper that is the elven underground. Um, it's ultimately the ship that takes them. I think it's at Oxenfurt, um, mm-hmm. where they are. That's the uh, yeah. So, but I, that's the other thing. I like the the townscape of Oxenfurt, and i think it's at gorse velen at right at the start where you see the elves being rounded up by humankind mm-hmm. or, or human unkind um well, you know it, uh, the, so some of the like it's really good establishing shots i really got the sense of um this world much more um with, with these um yeah. town shots e- even with the redanian sort of uh seat of power that you see at the start of this episode as mm-hmm. well uh was really really good uh, and just that you know getting to to be in the court of one of the kings from the north as well so Absolutely. uh you know it, 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 the layers going on in here uh in in the world, but also like with Yaskia as well, as you say, the growth that you see here Mm -hmm. and the growth that he has with his previous companions, at least at this moment with Yennefer. Yeah. It's just, it's really, really good. Absolutely.
0: And we get a, a pretty, um, brutal end for him possibly in this episode as well (laughs) it's just that that commotion that's going on outside was it just simply that the boat workers caught up with him after being distracted by uh by what was going on outside that they happened to see him and they've dragged him away or is something else more sinister going on uh with poor yasker has he been uh knocked over the head and thrown overboard um he's certainly not going to be playing that loot again is he
2: has he been yasked out
0: Maybe, maybe. Uh,
2: (laughs) But John, we have to get you to play the next-gen releases for the PS5, the new Xbox Series X um, versions of The Witcher 3, which is coming out, theoretically, in 2022. Mm. Because Oxenford is a key location Mm -hmm. in The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. And as soon as they said Oxenford, and you saw the things, this is like... It is essentially the game coming to life, yeah and seeing that that view made me go, oh wow, they're being they're being kind of true to what was written and or shown in the game amazingly
0: mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. Yeah. absolutely and, and again, it breeds life into the world. We mentioned one moment in Wheel of time where using an establishing shot of a city could have really helped. A massive moment um, in the series. I don't want to spoil that for people who aren't who didn't watch Wheel of Time, but that's one of the things you mentioned. Do, using those establishing shots of massive cities really does bring this breathe life into the world. Yes, it exactly. It was done twice in this episode, and they felt. Like, they were really well developed. Um, yeah. Uh, really good work from uh, from the team. Um, I presume those cities don't exist in the real world. I presume most of them are CGI creations, but uh, they look amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Otherwise,
2: we're going to Budapest very soon, lads. Absolutely. Go back, <laughs> back to Budapest. Back to Budapest.
0: Yes. Uh, that's kind of my point. Uh, welcome back, Yaskir. Chris, do you want to take us uh, on with your point?
2: Sure. It, it, it's very much kind of connected um, to Yaskir. It is the Underground Railroad. It is this... Creation of essentially that, mm-hmm. it, like, and how it mirrors real life and how that the show is going in places I did not expect. Right. Um, and you can tell that straight away because it even continues that dark, it continues that dark timeline. This is the dark time discussion because mm-hmm. you have the introduction of a deaf, uh, elf. Mm-hmm. who is fantastic and this yeah. whole time you're getting to love him and you're getting really more more and more connecting with this character and he gets snatched and I'm like, oh they're not gonna kill him. He's not gonna go. Like he's too cool. Like it's like, you connected all Nope. Nope. That that he is tentacle munch. To remain he's oh, yeah. gone. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I was shocked. Yeah. Because then when they grabbed Jennifer I was like, oh, okay, she's going to go wherever he is.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: and They'll they'll both escape, and that's where the story... They're like, nope. I'm like, oh, my God, they just killed him?
3: Yeah. Like, yeah. that
2: shows you... They, they're they showing that, no, this is a dark... This is a terrible thing that's happening to these elves, exactly. and it continues. We see this with even how the elf is... A different elf is treated and has to soil himself mm-hmm. um, yeah. in order to, like... In front of the guard he was calling him stupid elf. Mm. It's and, that this- was,
0: and that was effectively his apology for having Dermain uh, letting Dermain die. Um this is that who was with uh Dermain in the sewers with Yennefer. and uh, so his apology too was getting Yasker freed from, uh, yes. from that, that yeah. fight. So again it's it's this idea of they're being poorly treated, but there are they are willing to stand up for what they believe in, what they're, and what, and, and their ability to get out of these situations. Like, even those few moments that Domain is on screen, some of the elements that are added for, uh, to the story of what's going on, the idea that somebody's taken off the, uh, the points on his ears so he looks more yeah. human, um, when he's around other humans so he can possibly pass while he is, is trying to arrange his escape for Sintra. Like, that's, those, those little details add to how horrible this situation is for all of yeah. the elves
1: that's it and just with the the his companion the mm-hmm. elder companion as well because he doesn't go to rescue yeah. domain yeah you know and Yennefer calls him out on it and he he says the only hope for elves is to survive yeah and um, and but then as you say the the twist of him Sort of trying to rectify that exactly. and standing up. Exactly. So I, I loved all the kind of complexity here because yeah. you know uh, who knows what um, you would do if you're in, in, in a sewer like that. Yeah. You know the it it, it is uh, it's pretty pretty grim. The interesting thing with domain, I actually thought that was Dara, who was the other elf yeah. from the exactly. um, yeah from season one, who was traveling with siri for a large amount of that Mm -hmm. um but it but it wasn't you know we 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 clearly uh hear um the elf called domain but we do get to see dara in this episode who is in a redanian jail uh where the the chief of the intelligence um has a plan to to get and infiltrate sintra with an elf that they can effectively use, he doesn't say trust uh, as such. Um, so it, it's, there's something there, uh, with Dara. So this is where he has been since, um, he, he left and departed from w- uh, ways with, with Siri is yeah. he has found himself in a, a Redanian jail, uh, here. And so again, I'm really glad that he has come back into the, yeah. the series as well. I loved, um, his, his um his character with with siri from season one so that uh, that was that was good to see after me yeah, it was yeah really interesting to see him back and again
0: you're wondering how that's going to play out yeah. in the future the- what's
1: so- gone on there is it's kind of interesting exactly. and what's he going to be used for yeah, is like- it just intelligence is because that was the interesting thing with this episode the title is Redanian intelligence and actually i felt then that that wasn't quite as big an element of this episode um, that that stood out. I mean, there there are, it is there, don't get me wrong, but I I was wondering, is Dara part of the, you know, the the chief of Redanian intelligence's sort of spy network? Has he been sort of conditioned Uh to work against his own kind in that sense, or has he got something held over him? Or, yeah. or is he willing? What, what, which one what of those three is it? So it's really good. Yeah, and, and
0: I think that's why it's such a smart name for the episode, the Rodenian Intelligence, because they're effectively like the CIA of the continent. They are at the underground dark side. They are hidden in the shadows. So the idea that it isn't as central to what's going on in this episode is important because it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that they're uh, waving hands yeah. going, this is our plan. Well, that's um, true. That's it, true it, as well. The, that, that that's sensible yeah the but the introduction of them at the beginning of the episode i hope nobody has taken this as a point i don't want to step over anybody's point but the introduction of the Redanian intelligence at the beginning of the episode is fantastic Oh, it's brilliant when uh, the king of the northmen who's being protected by dykstra the, the leader of the Redenian intelligence who walks into the room with two people in there who are having this conversation with the king that seems really mundane they're just about to pass him his his goblet of wine um and Dykstra makes one drink of a goblet of wine who, uh, which, which poisons him and kills him instantly and the other one gets a knife through the throat because the two of them were planning to kill the king and he was completely unaware these are two of his trusted advisors. Uh, what a great moment and a great <laughs> introduction to this character.
1: <laughs> the king says... I was at school with him since I was nine, <laughs> I was nine which, nine. which <laughs> was quite a nice little, uh, throwaway thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I, so it's the, it's the machinations of this, of, yeah. of this group and how they're going to be involved in that, in that, in the big Sintra moment, I guess we're going to get as the season goes on. We're starting to see everybody moving towards Sintra. So.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. the, the head of Redanian intelligence, uh, is no, um, is no stranger to, to fantasy um, being played by Graham Tavish, who mm-hmm. was one of the hobbits in The Hobbit. He certainly And was, yes. uh, I thought that was good, although I was wondering, is the owl actually the head of uh, Redanian <laughs> intelligence? Because uh, that was really intriguing to me, because not, not having read the books uh-huh. um, and not played too far into the games, um, I don't remember owls sort of being that central, say, like Harry no. Potter, but certainly... It seemed like he could communicate with him. Maybe yeah. it, you know, whatever way that is, uh, whether he can project into the body of the owl. So that's their aerial reconnaissance or mm. whether it's just his pet, but is hyper intelligent. But it looked like he was taking cues from the owl, uh, when he was formulating his plan about getting, uh, an elf into, uh, Sintra that they could okay. trust. The the uh the
0: L guidance uh for the retain <laughs> I don't I don't think it's that. I don't think the L is the leader. I uh, think
1: that would be hilarious. <laughs> would that
2: be. would be. I, I'm actually I'm here for that yeah. plot. It's like surprise. <laughs> now bring me a mouse. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> it's like Umbrella Academy with uh-huh. a, a a goldfish in a bowl on some on a mechanized <laughs> body. It could be that. Could be that. Uh, the owl is head of Rodanian intelligence uh-huh.
2: no one expects the Rodanian intelligence uh-huh. their chief element is surprise oh, of being an owl, an owl. <laughs>
0: excellent anything else on the uh on the elves uh, for this episode chris
2: no that was really it it was just the 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 underground railroad is hopefully still more
1: mm-hmm.
3: but
2: i'll hand over to Joners. Uh, what is your point
1: um, my point is, it's it's quite brief, really, and we've touched on it in the synopsis, really. But it, it's it's the realization um, where when uh, Vesemir is walking through the woods, where mm-hmm. we had seen in uh, last week's episode, or sorry, the previous episode, where um, both uh, Geralt and Ciri had been confronted by the uh, monstrous centipede. Uh, these the purple flowers blooming in the snow mm-hmm. uh from uh, the blood that had been spilt there but it, it's not the monsters it, it's from the blood spilt by siri mm-hmm. and that these only flower from elder blood so uh, you know i i have no idea what an elder is other than a tree but i mean <laughs> u- ultimately this more ancient bloodline exactly. that that's exactly. c- that runs through the continent yeah you know and you you um that these monsters as well then the connection with tris the um working with uh with vesemir that the the link is made that with these monsters that they're actually made of stellarite which is, which is from the monolith so mm-hmm. so all of a sudden you you have a number of things kind of coming together here one is we we saw Siri destroy the monolith in season 1 with yeah. her scream that there are monsters evolving monsters coming out that this is the basis of it because Tris does uh mention that monster creation was outlawed um, m- many hundreds of years ago, yep. um, and that's that's something you see in the uh, animation as well mm-hmm. uh, about about the monster creation. Yeah. So we 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 get that monsters are, have been outlawed, but that these new creations are, are being formed from the monoliths that we see in, in this world, and that Ciri destroyed. That Ciri's blood is elder blood, and importantly, then for um, for the witches, is that this is the key ingredient for the the potions, a serum that allows for new uh, witches to be created. Absolutely. So there is suddenly hope for for the witches. Uh, you you know you see it spring into the eyes of Vesemir when he understands what he's seeing and and what that can be yeah. used for. Uh, so you need the blood of an elder. Uh, effectively thought to have been essentially wiped out there was no more so siri is you know is a special special uh princess which she is also a a princess a special princess so um really i really like
0: this Absolutely. Yeah. It is, it is really interesting. And it's part, part of the story we mentioned it last time, you know, this idea that, you know, the uh, series with Geralt getting trained as a witcher when she, uh, she also has magical powers and Triss is now here to help guide her in using that magic. And then there's also this element of her that she's got elder blood in her as well. So something. Even more greater importance than her ability to have magic and her possible ability to be trained as a witcher is that she has this elder blood within her. So yeah. potentially she could be the best witcher of all time because all of them have their, um, their potions and their uh, abilities given to them. Through these, through these flowers, through these things created from elder blood, she has it within her already. So, yep. uh, wh- what does that mean? Is she is she going to be the greatest witcher of all time? Who also has access to magic? So, uh, fascinating uh, little developments here, which uh, which I'm really looking forward to seeing play out as the season goes on.
2: A hundred percent. This is yeah. the one I'm really interested yeah. in, and how they talk about the mutagens and her, because basically you can see the glint in Vesemir's eye. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, definitely. Like, oh,
2: my God, my children are dead, but I can make more new children. Exactly. exactly. And you're like, oh, it's going to be interesting. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely.
1: And, and, of course, we know that Istrid as well is this huge expert on monoliths, yes, uh, like back, we saw Istred. from uh, episode three. So I'm hoping that brings Istra's. A bit more into the, the camera lens, yeah, uh, we shall do. we say, uh, for, for this season as well. Yeah.
2: I have to laugh at that scene where you just see Gerald just like, Oh, just yeah, portal. Just give me a sec. Like, literally, it's <laughs> yeah. just like he's hes basically got motion sickness. and you're just like, well,
0: absolutely. You, and Alistair's yeah. putting up the shield to block him from walking towards him. And and Geralt's kind of going, oh, "You don't even need that. I'm just going to take. I'm a just going to sit here. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I'll be I'll be far enough away from you. It's fine. Uh, yeah, great little uh, great little moment to to close out the episode. Uh, any other notes for the episode you want to talk about, guys?
2: Uh are we going to get a uh, wolf infected uh, Lesher's uh, much as we see Eskel's body that was laid out by Geralt and uh, Vesemir mm-hmm. and later when Vesemir is walking by before he sees Elderblood, he see, he looks at the the stripped skeletons of uh, at poor old Eskil, mm-hmm. which was given a tribute to the wolves. So I'm wondering if um, oh, yes. who knows, maybe we get some mutated wolves. That I doubt it. That
0: could be interesting. Even more monsters in the world of uh, of the of the continent. <laughs> Give me first yeah. thing. Anything else from you,
1: John? Yeah, just uh, two quick things from me. Um just Geralt training Siri. It uh, feels like he's given her, her mantra here with trust your path, don't hesitate and always listen. Um mm-hmm. So th- I thought that was really nice. And Triss and Geralt's exchange as well. Um uh, really the the two of Triss really just wanting Geralt in that moment because no matter how much the witches pretend to be stoic, they still mm. um, that they still want normal love, happiness, uh, and deal with normal sorrow and loss with the the passing and, and death of Eskel. And mm-hmm. um, so, I, I really I really like that moment because you know it made for. A nice awkward moment between Triss and and Geralt, but you know, she's trying to say, You're too stoic. You think that's who you are, but you're not. You're more than just a witcher filled with tonics that fights monsters. Yeah. But that's how you've been trained. You still want to experience and need to have all this other stuff. So I I just like that little exchange here as well, because um, I, I guess they. They do need to just sort of maybe go for a maybe go Rope for a shoulders. little massage or something like that, you yeah. know, yeah. a Absolutely. few uh, a bit of aromatherapy, a few oils, yeah. you know, exactly. exactly. The beginning
2: of the Tris, Jennifer, Geralt love triangle.
0: Absolutely yeah, great to see uh see Triss in this episode as well, really liking her um and her interaction with Siri and and you know, having having another woman at Kermaren for Siri is really yeah. important. Um, you know, remember these are very gruff guys, the uh, the witchers and they're not treating Siri with very much respect. So uh, so kinda nice to have uh, another person supporting her.
2: Very much so. But I think is that all the notes, gentlemen?
0: It is, yeah. Overall, Chris, what did you think of these four episodes of The Witcher?
2: Gents, this was huge. Um, this was it built on season one in a strong way. Um, and it very much proved to me, as I said, way back at the beginning of this episode, um, that this wasn't lightning in a bottle. This was, They have captured it twice. They've shown that... They've, they to the point where they've even made jokes about the disjointed storytelling. Um, they've managed to kind of capture my attention again and really double down on the, the parts that really, the parts that worked in season one mm-hmm. and kind of that they've now making jokes and forgetting about the parts that didn't, the, the disjointed storytelling, some of the kind of less, um deep characterizations but they've even leaned into and I should even lent into if you will uh the the dark nature of their world mm-hmm. and that's evident in so evident with the treatment of the elves yeah it's evident in yeah. the, the 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 this is not your your children's nighttime fairy tale mm-hmm. this is beauty and the beast told very terribly wrong because he didn't do I can't even remember what the beast did in Beauty and the Beast, but in this, he raped a priestess in her uh, temple yeah. to become the beast and then died every night as his love killed him. And then he turned his eyes away when she started killing everyone else. They've lent into this, leaned in strong on that dark point, And I'm so here to see what they do. They're they're moving pretty fast though. I'm so interested to see what the final four episodes really entail. Um, so yeah, John, what do you think of these first four episodes, and what would you rank episode four as?
1: And um, I would give uh, episode four four looting fluting bards out of five. <laughs> um, there we are. Yeah. Really enjoyed episode four uh as well. Again, just it, it's, you know, developing really nicely all the different threads. And I think overall for the first four episodes, I think that's the great thing about it. It's just it's built on season one really nicely. Mm-hmm. We've got Yennefer without power. We have Geralt, Yaskia, and her separated, they're all on their separate journeys. I'm really pleased now that Yaskia is in the picture as well. Um and I'm really enjoying Siri's storyline because again Ciri, with Siri in, in the in the first episode for me it was really she was escaping Sintra and it was more of a flight for her life. And with the white flame that the North Guardians um uh revere, and um, that being a little bit nebulous, and with Siri uh certainly from season one being nebulous, but just getting more of her story and the the knowing uh hmms and, and ah's from Geralt about what might be going on. Uh-huh. But you know, in a in a sense, what's the white flame then? What and so that's really, really good. I loved all the monsters in this, um, connecting them with the monoliths and with Triss coming in, getting to morhen and uh, seeing some more of the kingdoms, you know, Oxford Oxenfirst as well. So all the, all this expansion in character and um, the world the continent yeah. the the politics of the mages and um, you know seeing the the guy who was the big bad effectively being from season one being tortured by the mages and um, and sort of teaming up with Yennefer yeah. um and as you say the elves bringing the elves uh, more central into this world was keeping all this great uh magic and and uh mythology elements to it. Mm-hmm. Um I've just really really enjoyed so uh, th- it's really really strong for me um this first half of uh Witcher season 2. Yeah. Derek, yeah. what do you think of the first four episodes? Yeah, absolutely i agree with you guys.
0: It's been a, a great journey going back to Witcher season 2. I'm I'm really glad that we're back watching this show and I think the four episodes work really well together as I say the structure of this show where we have a bit of action with a with a monster and some expansion of the storyline um had worked quite well as the structure for season 1 this time it's an expansion of this whole world of the continent i feel like i know it much better coming back for season 2 and their the elements that they're adding to this world make it very different from what we've seen in the past and what we've seen in all the other fantasy shows that were released in the last year, <laughs> there's, there's what four, uh, fantasy shows that were released in the last year. We only covered, uh, Wheel of Time, uh, another couple coming up, uh, later on this year, but The Witcher is differentiating itself as its own unique world. So, yeah. uh, that's really important. You may have the same names of things like elves and dwarves, uh, in, in all of these different shows, but they have their own unique take on it. I think that's what's really important. So, uh, so glad to have that. It's nice to have all the characters presented within those four episodes um it's nice to have jasker back as, as as i mentioned for just that extra bit of humor um in episode four because the world is getting darker and darker so you need uh some characters like that in the show so hopefully that's not the last we see of them. But really good couple of episodes. Uh, enjoyed this. Looking forward to the next four episodes. And if you want to share your thoughts with us on any of the episodes that we've covered, uh, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. We will be covering the next four episodes of the show later on this week. So get your thoughts in on uh, on The Witcher Season 2. We'd love to hear from you. You can also join us over, over at our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash industries, And you can go over to our website to subscribe to the podcast at tvpodcastindustries. We'd love to hear from you about the show. Let's kick in to some feedback from our fellow Witchers. Kicking off first with Dr. Bob Phillips for the first four episodes. Uh, He starts his message with, I managed the whole of The Witcher. And after setting my head to appreciate, I actually quite enjoyed it. Little thoughts bursts after each episode, so I recorded them down here. And also, I'm so very glad to hear you all back and enjoying your TV. It's been a wonderful expansion of my viewing experience. (laughs) excellent stuff. Excellent. Dr. Bob says on episode one, he's back. This time, I think, in simple chronological order and dropping references to the anime prequel. Enjoyed the Beauty and the Beast variant at the heart of Geralt's tale, even if it still centres on the fear of physical differences. Also feeling the first inklings of Roach emerging as a character. If I recall, Chris mentioned this difference in season one.
2: I did. I did. And unfortunately, we barely got that now. That was the first piece and until so far in the first four episodes.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I, I thought the same because certainly we see, we, we see Geralt use, he calls it Axie, uh, to calm Roach down. Yeah. Um, and yeah. from the, I guess Roach is sensing the Bruxia. Um, yeah. and you see him, you know, the focus of Geralt and Roach together. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I was thinking the same thing. It was, it was, um, there was going to get, you were gonna get the sense of uh Roach as a character and then I guess two, three, and four so, um that that didn't really happen. Yeah. Oh well. But he hasn't really been out of, of Kerberend, so perhaps That's true. Uh, perhaps if he goes. Yeah, out it's from, been stabled. Um, yeah, we'll yeah. see a bit
0: more of Roach in the future and see a little bit more of his own uh, his own personality. On episode two, Dr. Bob says twenty witchers, maybe less, maybe less Maybe fewer Geralt. <laughs> Can't believe he's talking about 20 witchers. I think he's, he's allowed a pass on his grammar. <laughs> <laughs> no. Ne- never. Never. <laughs> Bob says anyone else see Kim Bodnia and think, uh, where's Eve? She'd make a killing as a witcher. Yes, uh, Kim Bodnia uh, featured in Killing Eve, didn't he?
2: He did, and oh, mm-hmm. that's a good show.
0: It is, it is definitely. Uh, Dr. Bob says, I didn't expect the training of Siri. I'd not seen any women witchers and sort of assumed there's, there's a split in the magic the same way the terror folk are all women in Wheel of Time. Interesting. Um, I don't think it's, it's been explicitly said that there's no female witchers in the Witcher. It's nope. really unusual. And remember, these are the last of the witchers. So there hasn't really been a precedence of. Uh, of training for women in, in this group, in the, in this, uh, this school of the wolf, I suppose. So, uh, so she would definitely be the first witcher of any kind coming into this group, male or, male or female coming into this group, uh, after this many years since, uh, since that battle destroyed, uh, Carmoren.
2: Yes, very much so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she's still getting lots of hassle from the rest of the witches. <laughs>
2: <laughs> She'll always get hassle because she's Siri.
0: Of course she will. Of course She's she the will. princess. On episode three, Dr. Bob says, My sons were playing the Xbox game. I tried and felt quite sick quite quickly, and the whole training thing seemed like a leap from the video game. Not poor story, but I'm so old I can't cross those streams. <laughs> <laughs> Character evolution with the edifer. She was a complete Machiavellian in season one. Surely just losing your power can't do that massive change. Um, I think, I think we mentioned that it was, it was kind of the quest in season one for Siri was to accumulate as much power as possible. And that's why the Machiavellian side of her came out. It was all the planning to get as much power as she could possibly get, lay her hands on. So now losing all of that power with yeah. no real way to get it back is kind of where we are with Siri, with, with, uh, Yennefer now, uh, four episodes into the season. She's, um, she's taking the power back in this episode when she, uh, when she picks up, um, care and runs away with them to to move on to some uh some other future but yeah. those first couple of episodes are about her not having that power
1: and i think it's about reconnecting with herself i think mm. you know she's saw a world that kind of shone away from her and didn't like the way she looked she mm-hmm. she tried to change it but i think at sodden She's doing something for other people to try and turn the tide of battle to save lives, and with the loss of the power, I just wonder whether it's reconnecting her back to um, her as a younger a child, uh, and also with the events happening around the elves and her elf lineage. Then, uh, I guess you know, as 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 Yaskia um, has said um, that they go for the elves then they could go for the dwarves and mm-hmm. then soon they'll be coming for the artists and, and the so on. Wow. Of so, course. I
0: completely forgot to mention that speech. Yeah. Uh, so it's that.
1: like really, like really interesting, um, that she has had that, that, that character evolution, but, uh, it is a, a one eighty for sure for Jennifer. but I, I think there's snippets and elements mm. that you can pick up for. And, and trust me, Bob, um, certainly i chuck whiteys on video games <laughs> uh, as well uh for sure yeah. uh, it depends on the type of video game and the perspective it's taking but if, if yes. john has control of all four
0: axes um so if he can look up look down left and right he'll usually throw a whitey pretty quickly yeah if the, if the head point is static on the character he's usually grand <laughs> i really really do yeah Excellent. Uh, finally on episode four, Dr. Bob says, okay, this whole doppelganger being a good person thi- really thing is messing with my head. He really, really isn't even the Nilfgaard original, but they are absolutely killing it with the song meta show critique in the Street. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely love, love that moment. Um, we were checking this back because I wasn't sure about it. The doppelganger had a battle with Kahir in season one and ended off with a massive scratch on his face, um, but went off into, uh, into the, the woods effectively. He ran away. Uh, so this is the Nilfgaard original. This is Kehir yes. that's been captured. Yeah. Uh, but I could totally understand, uh, why, why you would think it could possibly be the doppelganger, um, particularly because Kehir is so broken at the beginning of these episodes because he's been captured and is in Artruza and hasn't had much to say or do effectively. So, um, so it's possible, but, uh, but, I guess if he takes off that beard and there's a massive scratch down his face, that means he's the doppelganger, but right now I think it's... Or
2: the doppelganger is the L.
0: The doppelganger could (laughs) be the L. There you go, There you go. Bringing
2: it all back. Bringing it
0: all back. Thanks so much, Dr. Bob, for your thoughts on each of the four episodes. It was really good. Yeah, it was
2: great to hear from you, Dr. Bob.
0: And I already have uh, Dr. Bob's feedback for the other four episodes, so we'll be uh, sharing those
1: next time. Yeah, great stuff. Thanks, uh, Bob, for the feedback. We also got an email from Coffee and Vodka for the first four episodes Mm -hmm. as well hail fellow monster mashers Four episodes in and it's the thematic broad strokes rather than character details which have defined the show thus far Mm -hmm. one a world at war two one ethnic group being either systematically exterminated or seeking sanctuary in casablanca i mean Sintra. (laughs) three two star-crossed lovers about to meet in that same city Oh, also, a princess wanting revenge and a general needing to get home as subplots. It really is a good series, with excellent acting, cinematography, special effects, and action. After the recent viewing of The Wheel of Time, however, it's difficult not to compare. Perhaps that'll change after the next four episodes. Mm. Three crashing balls, sharp ents, prone (laughs) mansies, and sewer pusses out of five. P.S. I'm loving Peacemaker. What other shows are you all enjoying for which you don't have podcasting time? Very good. Yeah, thanks so much, Coffee and Vodka. Now, I, I would agree. I, I think definitely that broader strokes element is really good, but mm-hmm. some of the character stuff, um, like with the Ennefer and certainly with Syria, I, I'm, I'm enjoying a little bit more. But I think, in any case, they kind of feed into the wider world and those broader strokes as well. So, yeah, mm-hmm. um, I I definitely um, am liking the world building here. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah, really, really liking the world building. And, and, you know, I I,
0: I do think personally it's differentiated itself from from Wheel of Time just because of their treatment of of some of the same types of characters that uh, that we didn't see in Wheel of Time. I think it is a different show. It is weird watching two fantasy shows back to back considering... I think we only covered our first fantasy show with The Witcher uh, last time, and then yeah. and then Wheel of Time, and then this. So it's weird going back to back on these shows, and weird that they were all released. Um, the episodes are all released, I think, at the same week as the final episode of Wheel of Time as well. So yeah, so it's all a big bash of, of fantasy at the moment we'll have a massive gap now up until uh, up until lord of the rings uh later on we're heading year.
2: back into sci-fi with picard yep. De- yeah
0: definitely definitely um speaking and- of the shows uh that we haven't covered that we uh, that that we if we could have uh have covered there's loads actually uh yeah it's tongues um give us three where will we start chris give us three shows that you'd love to be podcasting on at the moment
2: I'm doing a retrospective watch on every episode of Psych. Okay. The old uh the old con- it's nice background TV. Right. Really enjoy it. It's that kind of bit of fun. Um it's yet to uh, come out uh, this Friday the 28th of January and we do have The Legend of Vox Machina mm-hmm. the Critical Role animated show over on Amazon Prime I swear that's not a plug I love Critical Role have been doing all of the campaigns watching it on YouTube for years now Um so seeing this uh coming to Amazon Prime is a huge, huge thing and I'm absolutely loving it again, high fantasy yeah that's definitely one. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. What about
0: yourself? Um, we watched two shows uh, this weekend that I'd love to have been podcasting on that we just never would have gotten the time. We watched Alice in Borderlands, um, the Japanese um, uh, show about uh, a game show, effectively, that's uh, that's killing people. Uh, similar, I think a lot of people are comparing it to Squid Game. Uh, this this show is much more for gamers, I would say. I think yes. gamers would like Alice in Borderlands a bit more. Uh, I'm a gamer. I enjoyed it for that as well, but uh, really exciting and really interesting and filmed during the pandemic, so images of tokyo with nobody in it it's just amazing yeah. to see it fantastic. and they use them so well in this show uh, really enjoyed that on netflix um and then uh the fourth season of uh ozark uh, came out this week i've loved ozark since we got to watch the, the it a couple of years ago we got to watch the the first three seasons and now we're on the final season of the show and the first half of it just came out last weekend we binged it all in a day it was fantastic so really would love to be covering those two shows we'd never get to get around to them on our podcast but
1: yeah. Well, dare I say, you've taken two of mine. I had that as well. Alice in Borderlands, uh, really, really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ozark is one of those shows where, to be honest, it's a bit like with Hannibal. Um, I came to Hannibal late, even mm-hmm. though I love, uh, Silence of the Lambs and then did one podcast on season three without doing the other two. My, um, sort of collector sensibilities feel like I would love to do Hannibal seasons one and. Two and equally with Ozark, um, like just love that show. That's so tense, um, yeah. and but if we did cover it, we would have to go <laughs> do one, two, and three, and yeah. um, so yeah, already taken. Uh, I would the other two things, um, for me would be um Snowfall. Absolutely, really enjoyed Snowfall, oh, yeah. uh of which the f- uh, season five is out on the twenty third of February. And um, also, the Expanse. I really like a good oh, yeah. sci-fi. For me, if Amazon Prime are definitely doing Mass Effect, uh, oh, I'd be like, yeah. "There's, there's no debate. Need to cover that because yeah. the Expanse at the moment is really my kind of. Um, it, it's, it's my Mass Effect at the moment. Yep. It's the yep. Mass Effect that's out, and I you just really that last
0: week as well, didn't you? Yeah,
1: yeah. I yeah. really love. Um, the Expanse, uh, I love that whole thing. Uh, so, yeah, that that's the other one.
2: Yep, I'll quickly finish it off with the final two that we both know. So, the book of Boba Fett. We're all watching it. We're all huge Star Wars fans. It's just something we have don't have time for, but it is an absolute. Uh, it it's it. It's Star Wars. Yeah. You gotta love it.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, and then the one I've watched a few minutes of and I need to get back to um, because I my wife said, oh, I'll watch that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peacemaker. Yes. Um, essentially, we started it and I was like, I just need to get back to yeah. it now. It's one of those... It looks definitely good. I think we're about four or five episodes in. Four yeah, episodes in, I think.
0: Yeah, we're right up to date. We're four, we're four episodes in. Um, yeah. Yeah, really enjoying the it's show. It's really uh, good. John Cena is great. Um, really feels like Ash versus Evil Dead, which is one of my favorite uh, TV shows from a movie. Um, I really got that style about it where it just doesn't give an F uh, what they were going to put on screen and going to have a lot of fun with it. So, uh, yeah, really enjoy it. Um, but not for everybody.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no. And j- just one more, because... All right, go on. Just because most of the, the ones mentioned are either on Amazon Prime uh-huh. or on Netflix, but because it's on Channel 4 in, in the UK, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the, uh, I think, what was it, eight-episode mini series called Screw, mm. uh, which w- is about prison, um, and it ended off being really good. It's just a drama. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, has uh, the wonderful Nina... Sasania, uh who was in teachers mm-hmm. as well which really really enjoys and and I just wasn't expecting to like it reason kind of we re- we re- turned it on was because Nina was on Graham Norton and we were like well let's check that out uh, and see uh, what the show's about and it also has uh, one of the 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 women who is in Derry Girls as well which is another great Channel 4 uh, show so uh, that was unexpected for me I don't normally um, I, I wouldn't normally um sort of go into th- to that type of yeah, show yeah. so it i was kind the, of surprised uh, yeah. i really liked uh, just how it played out yeah
0: it was a really good show it would be good it would have been good to podcast on but again another show that was all uh, delivered in one day on channel four so uh, always difficult to podcast about a show whenever when all the answers are right there <laughs> as well so uh, but yeah <laughs> exactly. see, seeing jamie Lee O'Donnell in a, in a serious role was really good like yeah. she has some good bit of comedy in there from uh, as her chops are from uh, from Derry girls but seeing her in that role was really good fun like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Loads of good shows that we could have been podcasting about. Uh, we're, we're doing the, we're doing the Witcher and We're really enjoying it as well. Yeah. So, uh, Hell
2: yeah. yeah. And speaking of someone else who's also enjoying it, we have feedback from Angie Aris who said this season is a vast improvement.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Not that I hated season one, but it was tough to follow until I listened to your podcast. But as you said, lots of great moments this season. Fortunately, spoiler alert. Henry Cavill does not take a bath.
1: Uh, I'm with you, Angie. And I'm with you.
2: Well, maybe maybe later in the season. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe uh,
1: Istrid will sort of, I don't know, take his top off and cool himself on a monolith. I, I don't know. <laughs> episode five. We'll have to soon.
2: wait and see. We'll have to wait and see.
0: <laughs> Love it. Thanks so much, Angie. Uh, thanks to everybody for your feedback for the episode so far. We do have one final piece of feedback, a voicemail from Anwin in New Zealand uh, for the first four episodes of the show.
4: Hello Defenders, it's Anne Wynne here. I have just recently gotten into The Witcher. I hadn't watched it when it was first on, so I've been lucky to be able to binge the first season and the second season all together, which has been really fun. One thing I did notice going from season one to season two was the change in series look. I really it just bugs me when it, when you go from one season to another and it's literally the same scene. They're walking out of one scene and straight into the next season in the same moment, and she looks really different. Um, she seems like obviously the actress probably aged by a year, but they really darkened up her eyebrows and her eyelashes, and I guess the look is going from the, the innocent waif to the badass fighter, but. I think they could have been a bit more subtle with the change. Anyway, I was over it within a couple of episodes. Um, And what else have we got in the first four episodes? Oh, the return of Yaskia. I love him so much. He's my favorite character. I really love um, the kind of comic relief that he gave in the first season. Um, but I also like how he's a bit more edgy and dark in the second season. And with the longer hair and the and the kind of more world-weary look, he reminds me a wee bit of Jared Leto when he's um, fronting his band. And I read a really cool article about how they distinguished the two different looks between Gerald and Yaskia um, in the first season, um, with both of those guys being really pretty buff and pretty big um muscly they did some really clever costuming tricks to make them look really different and make Gerald look much bigger so all of Gerald's costuming is based on his wide shoulders and narrow waist um and all of his seams and buttons and things are off center to make him look wide whereas with Yaskia, all of the um there's a lot of um uh, vertical lines so lots of layers with a um a, seam down the middle so you've got his shirt front then you've got his vest then you've got his jacket and all of the jackets have really wide lapels and sort of sloping shoulders to make it look like he's narrower um and that's quite amazing how they can do that I really loved reading that article anyway uh keep up the awesome work um Looking forward to hearing what you guys think and in particular the end of the season, which I just watched last night and which was awesome. Take care, guys. Keep safe. Bye. Fantastic.
0: Great to hear from you, Alma. That's, uh, that was some really good feedback. I love those little background tricks that, uh, the costumers use to, to differentiate characters. That's a really cool idea. The idea that, that both Yasker and, uh, and Geralt are very similar sizes, but they've been able to do something in the costumes to make them look small because Yasir does genuinely look yeah. much more, uh, much much smaller than than Geralt yeah. does uh, every time. But I know they're not on screen at all together. It is. It's
1: really fascinating, four. isn't it? And it's also um, like I didn't really get the sense of um, Siri being different, uh, other Although than I noticed that, yeah. Uh, yeah. Other than being older, like you say, but yeah. with that time between season one and season two, then it's yeah. just not something that I really. Uh, sort of noticed, or it wasn't as abrupt, I guess, Mm -hmm. if you're watching them back to back and um, I think
0: her hair looks more realistic in the second season, and I was wondering about the eyebrows whether that was just the dirt of Carmaren that was making them. Making them <laughs> it could could have not. been. <laughs> she and, hasn't washed at all since she got there, so uh, I thought it was just that. I,
1: and I am kind of digging Yasker's new look as well. I mm-hmm. guess he's doing his goth phase of barding uh, yeah. ultimately. So my chemical romance. Yeah, exactly. So he's
2: moving into he's moving into emo now. I,
0: I love I love the idea of Yasker being the uh, the lead singer of Thirty Seconds to Mars. Uh, very <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> cool. Very cool. Thanks so much, Alan. Thanks so much for your thoughts. Hopefully, you'll get uh, get some more thoughts into us uh, for the second half of the season. But I'm glad you really enjoyed it. Um, I can't wait to, the, to get to the end either. Yeah. And thanks, the one Alan. thing I do love about the way we cover this show is that we get there much quicker <laughs> than we would if we were doing week to week. See? Uh, for, for this, for this one works really, really well. Thanks everybody for joining us for our discussions about the Witcher part one of season two. We hope you come back and join us next time. Please stay subscribed to the podcast uh, over at TV podcast industries and we will talk to you next time.
1: Yes, we'll be back uh, next week to discuss the Witcher season two episodes five to eight and by the sounds of it, from Anwen, uh, it is a cracking finale. So can't wait to get into that. Yeah.
2: Yes, thank you so much. And much like The Witcher, who you can toss a coin to. If you want to toss a coin to us, head on over to patreon.com slash Industries, and we'll speak to you again next week. Talk to you next time.
1: Bye. Bye. Yeah, thanks so much, fellow Witchers, for joining us. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and, yeah, keep watching. Oh, keep witching.
3: Bye. Here we are. Bye. Bye.